Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. You're listening to the live recording of episode 184 of Priority One Podcast, the premiere Star Trek online podcast recorded Thursday, July 31st, 2014, live from the 2014 Star Trek Las Vegas convention, all thanks to each and every one of you. This episode will be available for a download on Monday, August 4th, 2014 at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Cookie. And I'm Jace. And uh, running behind the scenes with an amazing configuration with some amazing software is our audio engineer, Skiffy, assisted by our photographer, his wife, Shani. Thank you so very much, guys, for your dedication and, and volunteering Love to come here uh, on your own time and your own time. So thank you so very much. Well, Cookie, tell us, what do we have in store this week? This week, we check out everything Star Trek Las Vegas has to offer with interviews, Q&As and other amazing content from this phenomenal convention. In STO News, we review the special announcements made from Cryptic Studios on their Saturday panel. In Command School this week, Professor Jace talks about the ever-elusive power creep that some of the more casual players may not be too familiar with. What is it, and how does it affect STO? Captains, this week, Chivalry Bean brings us a new Foundry review. Diplomacy in the Gamma Quadrant by Mark Hawkman. Probably uh, a close relative of Hawkman from uh, DC Comics, right? Probably, yeah. Probably close. Check out this blog and others only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. All right, Captains, I'm going to get sentimental here. So, Captains, because of your loyal support of Priority One Podcast, Cookie, Jace, and I are sitting here at this year's official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, Nevada. Of all times to say it, this event is absolute proof that without you, none of this would be possible. And a huge thanks to Skippy and his wife Shani for trekking out here with their kids to support us on their own time, on their own dime. Skippy has graciously provided some phenomenal professional equipment that will help ensure that we record content like never before. Unfortunately, we regret that the rest of the Priority One team could not be here with us. However, they are with us here in spirit. And back at Starbase Priority One to support our coverage of the convention. Lennon, sir, you are a miracle worker that puts Nyan Cat to shame. Tony, you're a pretty cool guy. People should check out Guard Frequency. In the audio department, we have an amazing team with Ben Churchill from Australia and QA support from Steve Midnight Shadow 7 Roberts in the UK. 
in our art department, we have a new team member, Henry, a.k.a. Romulan Ale, who designed the awesome new art on PriorityOnePodcast.com, as well as the phenomenal new t-shirts that we're wearing. Big thanks to Chivalry Bean for his always informative and entertaining Foundry reviews. And to Kate, our managing editor, for the blogs on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Kate, Robin, uh, Dorpheus, have a blast at Dragon Con uh, in the next few weeks. And to the team that helps run the Priority One fleet, Tuvix, Rogue Jawa, and the rest of the admins to the Priority One fleet. Lastly, to the original team that took over Priority One podcast from Brandon so many years ago. James Lee, I miss you, bro. So uh, get that new podcast up and going, because our listeners miss you too. And Elliot Tan, my partner in all of this from the start, good job on handling that. <laughs> there will come a day, Captains, that we can bring all four corners of this world together so that we can all share in an event like this. Speaking of thanks, we owe a huge thanks to the final group of contributors to our Indiegogo campaign. That's right. A big thanks to superfan Lauren Nelson, Michael Scam, M. Millette, Sean Newboy, and Dwyerger7. And to Cryptic Studios and Perfect World Entertainment for their support throughout the entire campaign and endeavor. Thank you for committing to supporting Priority One at this year's Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Well, Captains, let's check out some highlights from the 2014 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. I don't know. Then let's break it out. All right, captains. So we are fortunate enough to be sitting down with Tim Crosby, lead designer of Disruptor Beam, the game studio working on Star Trek timelines. Tim, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so well, let's jump right in. Talk to us a little bit about Star Trek timelines. Tell us the premise and uh, what the game is about. Sure. So in the big view, the game is about the things that Star Trek is about. So the game's about exploration. It's about optimism. It's about discovery. It's also about improving your ship and improving your crew. Okay. The players takes on a role of a ship's captain, and they can collect crew from across any timeline. So any era of Star Trek, from Enterprise, original series, Next Generation, DS9, Voyager. And in fact, they can have multiple versions of those crew. So if you want to have young Picard and Ensign Picard and Dixon Hill Picard and Captain Picard, you can have all of those in the, in the game on your starship. Obviously, the reason that this is happening is because something has gone wrong with the time stream, and your ship is tasked with figuring out what that is, and along the way, sort of rescuing some of the people who have been stranded by the time stream. Okay, that's fantastic. Now, uh, what platform will the game be on? It will be on pretty much anything that can be connected to the internet. So, web browser, mobile devices, iPhone, iPad, Android, phone, Android tablet. Will we be able to have a crew entirely populated by every version of Warp from Parallels? Oh, <laughs> man. Every version of Warp. So, I will say, every version of Worf that we see on screen, 
yes. But given that there's whatever it was, 237 yeah. or something, Way too many. Uh, <laughs> probably not every single version that's just mentioned. I want to talk a little bit about the gameplay itself. So what will players expect when they, like, for instance, first load the game? What type of environment or UI will they kind of see? Talk to us a little bit about that. Of course. Uh, the very first thing in any game actually has to be a bit of tutorial. So we want to ease people into that, get people comfortable with how we're doing the combat mechanic. An important thing with the combat mechanic, uh, it's really a conflict resolution mechanic, is that players can overcome the challenges via phaser fire or photar torpedo, but also by being clever and using science or diplomacy. So the first thing when players first load it up will be a guide to help them go through that. Thankfully, we have some technology in Star Trek called the holodeck, which you may have heard of, yep, yeah, uh, which, so. which can help players go through that. But throughout the game, there will be a component where they're exploring the galaxy, going from system to system, discovering new systems, charting planets, as well as the conflict resolution, which and this could change, so a little bit of caveat around that. But right now we're thinking of it in terms of a turn-based sort of role-playing game mechanic, which allows players to have a bit of strategy and a bit of tactics when they're approaching it. I noticed that you mentioned that it was free, completely free. It is free. Is it really free? It is really free. Is it, you can't even spend money on you it if you try. You can spend money because we're a business and we want to feed <laughs> <Okay>. ourselves <laughs> right, right. And, and provide housing and clothing for our families. But you have the choice of spending money. Mm -hmm. We've got some things that we're playing with in terms of how exactly we want to do the economy. The important thing is that it doesn't feel like anyone has to spend money or they're forced into it. So like you don't have the upper hand if you spend money. Right. It'll be something for either, oh man, I really have to get that particular version of Worf, for example, oh. or I want to ensure that I get something that I have a chance of getting and I could spend some time or I could spend some money. But a player who spends a bunch of time should be just as competitive in the game as someone who doesn't have quite as much time, but they want to spend a little bit of money. Now, you say competitive. Will players interact with one another in some way, shape, or form? They absolutely will. Okay. We'll have player-organized fleets, uh, so that's a cooperative arrangement, but they'll also be competitive, one player against another player, but also the fleets against each other. Oh, wow, wow, wow. That's pretty dynamic. That's absolutely dynamic. I like that idea. The fleets um, against each other is cool. So, there have been all kinds of different Star Trek games. How would you differentiate timelines? One of the big differentiators for timelines is just accessibility. It'll be available on all of these devices. If you want to pick up and play it for five minutes, that's an experience that we want to enable. Or if you want to play it in between some other things, we want to allow that. So that's a big component of it, and that affects everything about the game, everything about the way we structure the game design, and everything about even how we structure the story. We do have a nice, strong storyline that we're developing right now. One of the nice things about Star Trek is we have this wonderful cast of characters, and one of the nice things about the timeline going wonky is you can have some characters interact who haven't ever met. That's, I like that. That's, yeah, that's pretty epic. That is pretty epic. Now, have you, you talk about the story as well. Have you hired, like, outside consultants, Star Trek gurus? Are you, t you know what? Actually, prove your Star Trek cred to us right now. How much of a, of a Trekkie are you? So, I essentially grew up watching Next Generation. Okay. 
to my enormous shame right now, there is actually one episode that I never watched all the way through, but I know what it is. It's Tin Man. Oh, oh man. Okay. I know, right? I know. So I know I know about the episode, but like back in the day when it was hard to like program the VCR to actually get it on time, I, I just never managed to see it. I think I was actually busy playing a game on one of the reruns, so that's the reason I but I love Star Trek. I've loved Star Trek forever. I've I have a Klingon dictionary somewhere in my basement. I, I, I promise you, I've been looking for it. We have, for the writers, we have a really great writing team. We have writers in-house in Disruptor Beam. We have another game out right now called Game of Thrones Ascent, which is also very narrative-driven, very character-driven, and some of that same talent is being used on Star Trek. We also have one of our writers has actually worked on a number of Star Trek games, so he's very well versed in the lore. Now you mentioned the Game of Thrones game that you have. If players kind of wanted to wet their palate or get a feel for Star Trek timelines, is Game of Thrones the place to start? It is and it isn't. It certainly is in terms of our philosophy about wanting to have a really engaging experience, in terms of having a really compelling narrative. There is a big difference between Game of Thrones and Star Trek, just at the base level. So the very first starting point, Star Trek is optimistic, it's hopeful, it looks towards the future. Game of Thrones is brutal and vicious and, you know, bad things happen to good people all the time. So the tenor of the game is going to be very different, but I think in terms of what we're trying to do for making a really engaging experience, that's a good place to look. Now, you guys have an amazing booth just a few aisles behind us. Tell us about your presence here at Star Trek Las Vegas. What are you guys doing? Tell us about your weekend. So, first, I want to say that this is a great podcast because I get to sit down for a few yeah. minutes. <laughs> that is that is so welcome awesome. right now. All of us at the booth, we are standing there. We're trying to get people to learn about the game. We really want people to come and know about us. What we have at the booth is we have a bit of the Enterprise D bridge where people can take their picture. We have a sample of what we're calling our Genesis device, which is the planet generator. And this is actually the same technology the artists are using to develop the planets in the game. So players can get a sense of what the variety of the all the planets are that we can have, and they can make their own planet and name it, and we print out a nice little picture for them. And then we have the Bridge Crew program. The Bridge Crew program is something where players sign up, they become part of our community. We have a nice raffle here so people can get some lovely t-shirts that uh, all of us at the booth, we're all wearing red t-shirts. We wanted to be nicer to the fans, so they get blue ones, so they're less likely to be uh, <laughs> to meet with an unfortunate accident right, on right, the away right, team. Right, 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 right. But the Bridge Crew program is also the pool of players that we'll be selecting for beta testing the game. And in fact, even people who are not here can sign up for the Bridge Crew program. If they go to disruptorbeam.com, they can put in their email address and they'll get the they'll enter that pool, they'll be part of the community and when the game comes out, they will get a free in-game triple. Nice. Very cool. That's exciting. Absolutely exciting. About how far along would you say you are and what sort of hurdles have you come into thus far in your development? 
Oh, it's always really hard to say exactly how far along you are because the goalposts keep moving. Really, the final metric for us is how good the game is and how fun it is. So we're still a ways away from that. Some of the systems are starting to look really good. So our planet generation, what we're seeing in terms of the visuals of the galaxy and the solar system, that's pretty good. That's maybe 80% of the way there. We still have a lot left to do in terms of making sure that the in-game economy works correctly, in terms of making sure that those conflict matches are really as fun as they can possibly be. So our expectation is that the game will be coming out sometime next year. Okay, that's not bad at all. Very cool. That's very exciting. So let's uh, go ahead and open the mic up to you. What, you know, how can players get involved? What's the website? You mentioned the crew that can try to get into the beta. How can players get involved? So disruptorbeam.com is the place to go. We also have a Facebook page for Star Trek Timelines. We have a Twitter account, I believe, as well. They absolutely go to disruptorbeam.com, join the bridge crew there, and also go to the forums. Our forums are currently small number of people, but very active. And I can promise you that everything that people say there, we are looking at. So any ideas, any hopes, any desires for the game, that's a great place to post them, and other people can then chime in with their ideas, and we are reading all of that. Very cool, very cool. You know, I have another question. I'm curious what the inspiration was for this concept of the game, because I've seen it's like a fan favorite thing to do on forums is what would your dream crew be if you could take anybody from any show and put them all together I'd on pick the crew? So is, I think this is going to be a popular I mean, idea. I, I, sh I sure hope so. And that's part of it. We're all fans of Star Trek at Disruptor Beam. So some of that comes from, oh, we really wanted to do this thing. Uh, and some of it sort of comes from the generosity of the license from CBS. When we wanted to, we were approaching them about a Star Trek game and it was sort of a discussion of, oh, well, what Star Trek do you want? And when we sort of said, well, can we get all of it? And they said, yeah, I think we can make that work. Then the question is, well, how can we use all of it in a really good way? Because we really wanted to have everything there. And there's a difference of opinion about which captain is best and which crew is best. And we want people to be able to have their favorites. I can see the forms now. Oh, no, Picard is OP. <laughs> Nerf Riker, I don't know. Power creep. Power creep. <laughs> well, Tim, thank you so much for stopping by. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to cover and tell the audience? I don't think so. I think you did a good job extracting awesome. information from awesome. me. Awesome. So that's, that's all I can hope cool. for. Cool, cool. Tim, thank you so very much. And again, disruptorbeam.com. Follow it online. And you can visit priority1podcast.com uh, for our blog interview with them thank you, uh, sir. from uh, Star Trek Boston earlier this year. Thanks so much, Tim. Thank, thank you very much. Back. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, from the fine folks at StarTrek.com, who we love and have been supplying continuing coverage of the convention and all the wonderful stuff that they do for fans of Star Trek all over the globe. Uh, we have uh, now a team of crack people to tell you about what's going on with Star Trek Online. And here to introduce him, we're going to bring out Tom Roney. Let's have a nice welcome for Tom Roney, please. Hey, everyone. 
Uh, I'm Thomas Maroney. I'm the user interface artist for Star Trek Online. And uh, on behalf of Cryptic Studios and Perfectable Entertainment, I'd like to welcome you all to the Inside Star Trek Online developer panel here at Star Trek Las Vegas 2014. So we've got a lot of really awesome stuff to cover today, and let's get started. I want to welcome my other panelists from the Star Trek Online dev team. Here they are. That's uh, lead producer Steve Ricosa. Lead designer Al Rivera. And Star Trek Online's lead artist Brad Stokan. So we're all really excited to be here today. We have some really cool stuff to share with you. Uh, before we get started with that, though, we want to um, share a trailer we brought to kind of give people who are new to Star Trek Online uh, a, a brief overview of the game. So can we go and run the trailer, please? You are part of an enduring tradition. For over 200 years, men and women have served with honor, courage, and wisdom. Our first duty has always been to the truth, the guiding principle that defines us. From the stars, knowledge. To wear this uniform is to continue a most noble mission. To explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. In this dark hour, you must shine. You must light the way for the lost and oppressed. The final frontier awaits, and though you sail a ship upon a sea in storm, you wear the uniform. You carry the tradition. Valor and sacrifice are your watchwords. Whatever comes, whatever finds you, stand tall, hold fast. You are a Starfleet officer. Lieutenant Yoshi, alert Starfleet. We have engaged the board. Resistance is futile. Awesome. I get really excited every time I watch that. Um, so as I said before, we've got a lot of uh, new stuff to talk about for uh, things coming along the pipe for SDO later this year. But before we get to that, uh, I want to start with Steve. Um, Steve, can you give people who are new to Star Trek Online a little overview of the game? Sure. Thanks, Thomas. So Star Trek Online is a free-to-play MMO that takes place 30 years after Nemesis and puts you in the captain's chair of your own starship. Now, there's kind of a lot there. So an MMO is a massively multiplayer online game where hundreds and thousands of people or everyone in this room could be cooperating together, competing against each other, or just hanging out. And free-to-play means exactly that. 100% free-to-play from beginning to end. Great. So you can make a captain, but what kind of captain can you make? So we've got three different factions. So if you start as a Federation character, you graduate from Starfleet Academy, you prove yourself worthy to be captain of a ship, and then you begin your adventure exploring the galaxy. If you start as a Klingon, you graduate from Klingon Academy, you kill your traitorous captain, take his ship as your own, and then you uh, start your assault on the Federation. And if you start as a Romulan, 
um, you're just a farmer trying to survive after the destruction of your home world, and then you're swept up in galactic events, and you um, get swept up, and then you start reuniting your people. Awesome. So we've got the, the Federation, Klingons, and Romulans. So those are the big three. But can you tell us uh, a little bit more about other um, like famous Star Trek locations you can visit and enemies you can fight in STO? You got it. We've got plenty of enemies. You can be fighting the Klingons. You're going to be fighting the Tal Shiar, the Cardassians, the Jem'Hadar, the Breen, the Borg, Species 8472. If you want to fight it, we've got it. Um, for places you can go, you can go to Earth Space Dock, Deep Space Nine, Konos, Vulcan, Bajor, plenty of great spots to visit. Awesome. Well, thanks for the overview, Steve. Um, now we're going to start to get to some of the meaty stuff for people who've been here a while. Let's kick it over to Al, who is a convention veteran. Hello there. This is, hello? There we go. Hi, I'm Al Rivera. I'm the lead designer. Thank you. Thank you. I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> I'm the lead designer of uh, Star Trek Online. Some of you may know me as, uh, as Captain Gecko. Um, how many people here have played Star Trek Online? Wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. I've even seen a whole bunch of people out here with Star Trek Online uniforms. It's beautiful. I can think I can see one over here. Nicely done. Anyone else? I, I can't see him. It's too bright. Over there, yeah. Over there. Wonderful. It's really great to be back here uh, at the... Uh, oh, look at that. There's another one. It's really great to be here uh, back in Vegas at Star Trek Convention with all the uh, fans and all these Trekkies. Right, so last year when we were here, we announced uh, Star Trek Online's Season 8, The Spear. A lot happens in the game since then. Can you give everybody a, a rundown and catch us up? Sure, yeah, a lot's happened because it's been a year. So last year, uh, Season 8, Into the Sphere, uh, players uh, discovered a Dyson Sphere, right? And so as the, uh, as the players explore that, we learn that the Dyson Spheres are actually ancient Iconian technology in origin, and they produce omega particles. And everyone knows that omega particles are extremely dangerous. So when the players get to the Dyson Sphere, the, uh, the Iconians are not there. They're long since gone. It's long abandoned. It's been, you know, hundreds of, uh, 100,000 years they've, they've left it. But when they get there, it's been occupied by the Voth, the, the dinosaur people uh, from Voyager. And the Voth really want the Dyson Sphere technology and the mega particles, the power of the mega particles. So um, the players uh, need to stop that. Now the mega particles were used by the Iconians to power their massive uh, Iconian gateway network. So as the players are clashing, the, the Federation, the Klingons, and the Romans joining together to, to stop the Voth, uh, along the way, Species 8472, who we call the Undine, uh, they uh, they use the access the gateway network and launch an attack, a sneak attack on Earth space dock and on Quonos. So, of course, the players, uh, with the help of Tuvok and the uh, and Voyager, are able to thwart the efforts of the Undine and uh, and save both uh, both both planets. Um, and this leads to a ceasefire between the Klingons and the Federation. And so, uh, so a new accord begins. So. This whole story over the last year, there's so much more to it. I know that was a lot to take in if you're not familiar with the game. But um, this whole story has been leading up to this very moment today, what we have to share with you today. So this fall, uh, Star Trek Online and Cryptic Studios is proud to present the biggest expansion to Star Trek Online since Legacy of Romulus. This October, we're proud to bring you Delta Rising.
All right, so delta rising. So does that mean what I think everybody out there thinks it means? What does everybody think that means? <laughs> How about that? If it's not painfully obvious, yes, we are really excited about bringing the players to the Delta Quadrant. Um, we've, uh, we really wanted to tell the story of what's been going on in the Delta Quadrant. Star Trek Online takes place in the year 2410, which is about 32 years since, uh, since Voyager returned home. So a lot, a lot could have happened since then. So we wanted to tell the story of what's happened to all our friends and all our enemies, and uh, what effects did the uh, did Voyager have in, on the Delta Quadrant on its seven-year journey? So you just you just said all of our friends and all of our enemies. So what kind of the Delta Quadrant species can we look forward to seeing again in Delta Rising? So if you're familiar with Star Trek Online, you know that we already have uh, a few Delta Quadrant races in the game. Uh, we've already seen the Borg. We've seen the Herogen. Uh, species H472, again we call them the Undine, and uh, as I mentioned, the Voth. Um, but we're going to be bringing a huge uh, Delta Quadrant uh, pantheon to you this, this fall. Um, so joining, joining the roster will be uh, um, Talaxians, and Okampan, and Kazon, and uh, yes, and uh, uh, Hierarchy, uh, Malon, uh, APU, the armored personnel units, or excuse me, the automatic, automated personnel units, um, Kabali, uh, uh, there's just so many, I can't even recall, re uh, remember them all right now. So it's just going to be a huge pantheon, it's going to be great, uh, it's going uh, to feel so much like the show. That sounds like a lot of new content if we're going to get to meet all those races again, but what else can existing players uh, expect from Delta Rising? Well, um, so this is a little bit more media for people familiar with the game. The last year with uh, Legacy of Romulus, the big focus was bringing a new, um, a, new, a new playable faction to the game. So with Legacy of Romulus last year, you could then play as a Romulan. So you could play as a Romulan or a Raymon. And uh, that was a huge success. Everybody loved that. But this year, we wanted to do something different. Um, this year, with Delta Rising, uh, Star Trek Online will be raising the level cap from 50 to level 60. So, so yeah, so you'll be able to, uh, as a Federation character, for instance, you can be a uh, fleet admiral, and as a, uh, as a Klingon, you can be a Dahar master, okay? So that means from 50, uh, from 50 to 60, we'll be bringing you uh, Delta Quadrant story-based mission content from love from 50 to 60 for you to enjoy. All right, all new story-based content all around the Delta Quadrant. Um, so it's going to be an amazing story. We're really excited to, for you guys to check it out. So, uh, so obviously a lot of uh, content is going to take us to 60. But what about the, the system size of things? What, what can we look forward to there on the path to level 60? All right, so, so the first thing, if you're going to be level 60 now, you're going to need some new gear, right? So uh, we'll be raising the, uh, the mark cap of all gear to mark 14. Um, so uh, that's going to be a significant increase in power for everybody. Um, also, for your captain, we will be uh, um, we're having, introducing a new uh, advancement system. We'll be adding spe uh, specialization talent trees to the game. This will be your primary way that you'll be able to advance your character. Um, so this means brand new powers, first ground and space. Um, you'll be able to start um, investing in that and specializing character around level 50, but it doesn't stop at 60. After 60, you can keep specializing. It's basically infinite advancement. So, um, so keep your eyes peeled for details on that. 
All right, so we can, we're going the double delta quadrant. We've got all these new powers we can invest in our captain, but I think what a lot of people are really curious about is new ships. Yeah. yeah. I hear some new ship people. Want There's people at least out there one want guy. some new ships, huh? <laughs> well, Star Trek Online, uh, you know, is nothing without ships. So we've got over 300 playable ships in the game right now. Pretty much everything that you've ever seen on the show has been there. Every obscure ship you've, 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 you've ever heard of. Um, so we'll be raising the bar again with Delta Rising. So with, with Delta Rising, we'll be introducing a new Tier 6 ships to the game. Okay, and these tier six ships will be introducing a new class of starship and a new class of bridge officer to go along with those new ships. So that's going to be really exciting. We're going to get a, get a sneak, look, sneak peek of look at that in just a moment. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm sure everyone's excited to learn more. We'll be releasing more information, of course, through our dev blogs on, uh, on our website as we get closer to the launch of Delta Rising. But now I'm going to kick it over to uh, Brad, who has brought along a lot of really cool art to give you uh, a preview at uh, what Delta Rising is going to look like. Thanks, Thomas. Well, I'm super excited to be here with you guys today and give you a really cool sneak peek at some of the amazing art that our really talented art team has put together for this exciting expansion. And this is just a small slice. It's gonna seem like a lot, but it's just a tiny, tiny piece of what's in store for you guys. So, pretty exciting. One of the things that's most exciting for us is in our team, and as a dev team, is that in Delta Rising, for the first time, you'll be able to fully explore the Delta Quadrant and experience firsthand the locations you remember from the show, the characters, and the ships. It's just an awesome, you know, it's just, it's fantastic, a great immersive experience. And your journey into the Delta Quadrant begins with Voyager itself. As you can see, if you guys are familiar with the game, we've completely overhauled the Intrepid class from stem to stern. And this really embodies our sort of development philosophy on the art team to infuse these locations, ships, characters with as much authentic detail as possible. And you can see that in your encounters with Voyager in missions where you fight alongside her. You'll also see this detail when you fly your own Intrepid class. And that uh, attention to detail continues on the interiors as well. And one of the things that we've been doing, spending a lot of hard work and effort on, is really fleshing out the full interior, all the key locations that you remember from Voyager. And it's just a great trip wandering around these interior hallways and special um, key locations, I mean the bridge, this is a great moment to sit your character down on the bridge, go to engineering, and again there are great missions that take uh, advantage of this interior, um, and if, you'll also get to experience this on your own player ship interior as well. There's a shot of the med bay, and obviously astrometrics. Um, we've even made two versions of the mess hall, one with a replicator, and then one with Neelix's kitchen, so it's really cool. But you won't just be visiting familiar locations in Delta Rising. Um, as Al said, you'll also be encountering a number, uh, just a huge number of species from the show. I'm going to show you uh, a peek at some of those today. So you'll uh, first encounter the Talaxians and the Ocampa, who are uh, effectively your allies and, and helpers as you journey through the Delta Quadrant. You'll also encounter the Benthin, who we've cast in this expansion as protectors of justice on the frontier, frontier marshals, if you will. You'll also cross paths with the Azari, interstellar bounty hunters, who interestingly will sometimes be on your side 
and sometimes will be against you, depending on how their contracts are working at the moment. And then, of course, you'll cross paths with the unsavory Kazon, brigands and raiders. As well as the hierarchy, whose corporate warlord masters find all the conflict that's going on in the Delta Quadrant to be good business. And finally, uh, as far as this presentation goes, the Melon, who pose a unique, uh, a unique threat to the ecology of uh, various planets and systems, and just, again, all these species, it's just so great to see them up close when you're playing missions, see the ships, have interactions with the captains of those ships. Um, it's just a great vehicle for storytelling, and it's just a great nostalgia trip. But of course, it wouldn't be Star Trek if you couldn't explore strange new worlds. And Delta Rising has so many of these. I'm going to give you a look at a few of them right now, starting with this mysterious planet, which harbors a dark and deadly secret. Or this next planet, which is a brand new home world that we've created for a canon species that was only rarely glimpsed in Voyager. And uh, for our team, I think it was a really exciting opportunity to just take some of those clues from that episode and try to build out the culture, the architectural language of this species. Um, and we really took inspiration from their unique method of reproduction, which is almost a high-tech form of DNA-based reincarnation, and use that to inform the look of their city. Um, creating these ascetic, almost monastic, temple-like, high-tech structures. And last, but uh, certainly not least, I want to give you guys a sneak peek at some of the ships you'll be piloting. Obviously, with all the new threats in the Delta Quadrant, we need to roll out some new tech, some powerful new technology in the form of new starships. And we've designed a new aesthetic for these ships that will sort of reflect their new and unique powers. It's a little too early to talk about what those are yet, but uh, here's an early look at uh, Federation Escort, as well as an all-new cruiser. But it won't just be Federation starships. Here's a look at a cutting-edge new Romulan warbird and a new Klingon Raptor. And that's all we have for the sneak peek today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I think this is all pretty exciting. Of course, we have much more to share with you guys over the coming months, so please stay tuned. Thomas, back to you. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for uh, bringing all that stuff for us. So, uh, Delta Rising. So, that's pretty much all we have to share for you. We, let's recap, though. Delta Rising is going to take you back to the Delta Quadrant. You're going to be able to follow in Voyager's footsteps and meet um, old friends and enemies. Uh, we're also raising the level cap to 60. Uh, you're going to be a fleet admiral and uh, have new ways to customize your captain's powers. And finally, tier six ships. Um, they're also gonna have uh, some new abilities and new visual styles, and it's gonna be part of the biggest expansion to Star Trek Online since Legacy of Romulus, and it's all coming out in October of this year. All right, well, there's one more thing that we wanna talk about. So, um, Star Trek Online has always brought you um, Star Trek alumni, talent, actors. Uh, in the past, we've brought you Leonard Nimoy, Zachary Quinto, Chase Masterson, Denise Crosby, uh, Michael Dorn, and recently, Tim Russ. So no Delta Quadrant expansion would be complete without um, some Voyager alumni to join us. So 
Tim Russ will be, of course, reprising his role as Tuvok and joining us again for Delta Rising. Um, but we'll be adding several more Voyager cast members as well. Um, and today we'd like to announce one of them, just one of them. Um, Garrett Wong will be joining us, reprising his role as Harry Kim. Well, there he is. <laughs> Garrett. Hello, hello, hello. Here, come over here, Garrett. Come over here. Oh my. Come over here, Garrett. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sitting over We'll get you over there in just a second. Okay, I, just okay. want, I, want, I want to talk with you first. All right. Thank you. Look, look what I'm wearing. Look at this. That's money well spent. We're twins. <laughs> it's like looking into a mirror. I know. Garrett, thank you so much for joining us on stage. Thank I you. really, really appreciate it. I can't begin to tell you what an honor and a privilege it is. It honestly is a joy to be up here with you. I never thought this would happen. This is great. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm so, happy to be here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Um, so are you, uh, are you looking forward to reprising your role as, uh, as Harry Kim? Have you, what oh, you been thinking about? Oh, I thought you were hiring me as Sulu. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> I guess we'll have to. Okay, um, yes, I am very excited to reprise the role of Harry Kim. It's been a while, it's been some time. Um, so to revisit that and, and, and have some new twists and turns and further the Voyager saga would be wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, so, so, Garrett, I've heard you say that you you never really got to explore your character, Harry Kim, very well. That you felt that sometimes the writers held you back a little, or that you really, you didn't really get to develop as much as you'd like. What would you like to see? First of all, before you go on, I feel so weird that you guys are sitting there where we're standing. We're going to go back over there in a second, but I just want to chat with you. Let's sit down. Let's sit down? Okay, let's sit down. We got... Okay. This is much better. Do you guys want to join us on the other couch? Come on over, come on over. It's kind of a village over there. Come on over. Everyone sit down. There you go. Yes. Good job. Nice and cozy, right? Much more cozy. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right, so, so um, yeah, what would you like to see happen to Harry? How would you like to see him develop? And, and what is it that maybe we could do for you on Star Trek Online that you would like to see happen? Oh, my goodness. Make sure... The guy in the front goes, make sure he doesn't die. <laughs> It's true. Everything happens to Harry Kim. Am I right? And a promotion would be nice, wouldn't it? Yes. And that would be... What's that? Give me Voyager! Give me Voyager. Give me Voyager? I get my own ship? That'd be wonderful. Captain Kim. The Adventures of Captain Kim. I'd like that sound, right? That, that yeah, that sounds good. Well, you know, certainly um, Harry Kim will be joining the cast uh, as a captain, and as we saw in Endgame, he will be uh, in command of the Rhode Island, Excellent. Captain Harry Kim. Excellent. Okay. I'll take that. Um, but you know, the uh, the team and I have been talking and, and thinking, yes. and um, this has been really, really, uh, uh, you've been really left out for such a long time for yes. that promotion, right? Yes. And so, so we have a little present for you today, uh -oh. Garrett. <laughs> uh oh. Okay. Well, what are we so, 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 we, we, the, the team and I put a little something together. And uh, Garrett, not Harry, but Garrett. Um, Are you proposing to me? I am proposing to you, <laughs> Garrett. It's like a ring box. I'm like, what? I hereby oh, promote you oh. to the rank of Lieutenant Junior Grade. <laughs> with all the rights and responsibilities that come with that rank. So congratulations, Lieutenants. Oh. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Some pips here. I think it's long overdue. Yeah. 
Maybe no. next year we'll get you full cannon. It's funny because at, at a lot of conventions, people always talk about promotion, non-promotion, and I, I joke about how um, people say, "Well, if you were to write a scene on Voyager, what would happen?" I said, "Oh, it's simple. Ensign Kim is going to be sleepwalking. He's going to sleepwalk into everybody else's quarters and steal their rank pips from their uniform <laughs> and put them all on his uniform, so it looks like a uniform of chainmail, basically." So, uh, but yes, it's it's wonderful. Thank you very much for this. Appreciate well, thank it. you. No, thank you. It's going to be a real pleasure. I'm really looking forward to working with you. Cool. Um, it's going to really. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's really about it. Um, I think will you be able to stick around for some Q and A with the audience? Sure. All right. Yeah. So um, I think we're ready for some Q and A. I don't know where we got mics. There's nobody here. Yeah, We've got a bunch of people there. Oh, there's some people there. Okay. Yeah. Um, we can't see you. But that's okay. That's we can okay. just imagine what you look like. It's fine. Oh, there you, there you are. What can we do for you? Well, I'm, I'm just wondering if we're ever going to be able to manage our duty officers through the gateway. That's an excellent question. Um, so uh, if anyone doesn't know what the gateway is, it's basically our mobile platform. So that way you can, you can uh, access certain parts of the game like through your tablet um, or, your, or your smartphone. So as some of you may know, we recently revamped the, uh, the, the duty officer and recently released the crafting the research and development system. So um, with that, we redesigned the whole UI uh, with Gateway in mind, okay? So the old UI was really too complicated and cluttered to ever fit on a mobile platform. So we, uh, the new system now allows us to do that. Now we don't have any immediately time scheduled for that, but now it can happen. So um, I think the ideal is like it's, it's a no-brainer to be able to sit there with your tablet your, your iPad, or and just like just like you're with your your data pad from Star Trek, and looking through your duty officer rosters and playing junior duty officers, junior crafting. So, um, I think that's a realistic possibility at this point. It's not going to be for Delta Rising, though. Thank you. Next question. Over here. Over there. Excellent. Wow, big line. Finally, Garrett gets a promotion to captain. Congratulations. <laughs> well, uh, well, Garrett's Garrett's doing great, but, but Kim is captain, so. So, anyways. I'm a lifetime member since Excellent. Alpha. So uh, I must Thank say you. you guys have done a great Thank job. You. It's been four years, almost five years old for a game, and it's just getting better. And uh, I had a, several lists of questions that from our group of uh, from Scourge's group uh, fleet, and you've just answered them all with this Delta Rising. All Level right, 60, well we're, we're done. It's just all been what we were about to ask, and you've just done it. Well, I'm very glad that we were able to do that for you. I hope you really enjoy it. Thank you, and thanks for being a lifetime member. All right. Over here, other side. Yes, I'm a life member, and I've been playing almost since the beginning. Uh, but I noticed in the old days, on the interior of your ship, there used to be more, uh, more of your bridge officers performing duties than there are now. And I noticed that there still seems to be a bunch of uh, generic uh, officers doing duties when you have plenty on your roster. Um, is that is there a reason for that? Is that something you could change and you know, maybe change in the future to see more of your bridge officers performing duties on the interior of your ship? Um, just on the bridge or throughout the well, whole throughout ship? Throughout the whole ship would be even better. Yeah, that, yeah. that would be great. Um, yeah, I'm honestly not aware of it really being much of a problem, but thank you for bringing it. I mean, they, they should be there. I certainly know I've seen mine there, but if you're seeing some less and less are there, I don't um, know how random it might there be. Are, there out. are less than there were. I mean, there are some officers I used to see all the time, and there, now there's a bunch of generic people there. Are you using a new bridge? or is it No, it's the same, okay. same bridge I've been using for 
a long time. Okay, well, th thanks for letting us know. I'll, I'll see if there's anything really going on, but uh, they should be there, and uh, there's really no reason why we can't add more of them. Terrific, thank you very much. Thanks for, thanks for the thoughts. Over here. Considering the new redesign you've talked about, what are you going to do to help a person who's not in a fleet and flying a science ship sort of get greater parity with people flying the other two types? What, what are you, uh, you're having trouble with because you're, you feel like you're in a science ship that uh, you may not be able to compete with some of the other players? I think that's definitely true with respect to certain combat. Well, also that he doesn't have access to fleet there, I think is what he's... Well, first, yes, that's first another matter as well. Well, um, with the research and development system that we just released, which is kind of a parody to fleet gear, right? So currently as a fleet member, you get access to, to, uh, to set stuff like uh, fleet quality, ultraviolet, ultra-rare gear in the fleet. But your crafting system will be able to not only give you access to ultraviolet quality gear, but, but, uh, uh, but, you know, it's, it, but even more, right? Where the crafting system is, is just starting, so now with with the introduction of uh, Delta Rising and the Razor Level Cat to Mark 14, the crafting system is really going to shine. It's really it's the opportunity for people who don't want to be in the fleet to really uh, to really get access to things that the fleet members can't get access to. Um, as for science vessels, um, well, there there there's going to be a lot of new ships coming out, right? And one of the ships that uh, I don't think we saw it today. Is a, is a tactical heavy science vessel. So I think you might enjoy that one um, if you haven't had a chance to actually play the, the Vesta class. Um, yeah, so, um, and there's another, there, so there's a really special ship coming out and uh, uh, that's, that some of you may know from the Delta Quadrant, but maybe you'll, I think you might enjoy that. It's a really solid tier six ship and uh, hopefully that will, that will make things easier for science players. All right, thank you. Thank you. Hi. It's great that you're heading to Delta Quadrant, but I'm wondering if there's any chance we're going to see more love for some of the underrepresented Alpha Quadrant species, the Denobulans, the Zindi. Is that you, Paul? Yes, Thomas. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Want to answer that? <laughs> well, we uh, just had the uh, Zindi flavored lockbox that came out where you could get a, a, the Zindi flight chip and things like that. Um, you know, there's always, I mean, the great thing about STO is it's always growing and evolving, and we're always adding new things to the game. So Delta Rising is going to be focused on the Delta Quadrant we're going to be exploring there, but, you know, the sky's the limit, really, in terms of what, uh, what we'll see in Subject Line in the future. Especially because we uh, now have an easy gateway back and forth between the Delta Quadrant and the Alpha Quadrant. You never know who you can see in the Delta Quadrant and vice versa. So a lot of good options. Yeah, and one other thing to say about that is we've been constantly, with every release, we not only just add brand new content, but we go and kind of revamp old content. And you know, we will probably keep doing that in the future. So there might be some, some old story arcs that get some love in the future that, that kind of focus on Alpha Quadrant species and things like that. There's so, Star Trek is so huge, right? We've got so many races already in the game. Um, there's kind of this galactic northwest sector that we haven't even explored where Franginar and Bajor and the First Federation and uh, uh, Rigelians. And so there's that, even that whole, that whole other uh, sector up there that we can explore. Um, right now we'll be focusing on the Delta Quadrant and we haven't really talked about it. Even this Delta Quadrant Rising, it's so, the expansion is so big, but it's only like the bottom, the uh, galactic south section of, 
of the Delta Quadrant. So if everyone remembered, uh, uh, Voyager passed through uh, the Necrid Expanse, and then at that point, it was think the game changed. That's when the Borg got kind of introduced. So we're just focusing just on the galactic south species of the Delta Quadrant, so we still have the galactic north species to focus on. So we're never going to stop. So uh, I'm, per I'm, I'm very confident you'll be seeing more even Alpha Quadrant species and maybe one day the Gamma Quadrant. Thank you. Uh, the first Star Trek game I ever played was Dominion Wars. And in that uh, game, there's a unique starship called the Achilles class. And it has some unique abilities. I was wondering if there's any plans on trying to license that design and including it uh, among the fleet of Federation starships. Um, I actually, I don't know if these guys know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw that cruiser. That looked kind of like the Achilles class, didn't it? But I mean, yeah, but um, I, I think we're kind of, you know, we're kind of interested in blazing our own trail in terms of like the ships that we make. And, and I don't know, the navigating some of the other like offshoot Star Trek properties and video games, the licensing stuff can get kind of hairy. So we're probably going to focus on original STO designs for the time being with, you know, they're, they're, the Vesta was a great exception, but that was like a really popular fanship. And um, I, I think you had to pay for that. So. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you know, we were, I, I think we were happy to do it because it's a great ship. And Mark uh, uh, Rademacher is a really talented artist, right? Um, uh, so it's definitely worth it. But I think, I think we're probably going to stick to STO original designs for our, for our non-canon stuff. Hello. Hello. That's a STO uniform you got there, right? Yes, it is. You're rocking it. Thank you. That's right. Yeah, very cool. Look at that. Thank you. Nice. I'm also here representing Cymax Media. And my question is, you mentioned the increase of the level cap. How will this affect the reputation system, and will you have to wait to reach the cap once again in order to access it? We will not be raising any uh, cap in reputation systems for uh, so so they'll still have five tiers in every reputation. We will be uh, probably introducing a new reputation and we'll continue to add new reputations. Um, but uh, it's but we're adding. But one of the things we're more focusing on is the specialization trees I mentioned. So that way every. Uh, every expansion doesn't have just a reputation. We have something different for you to focus on. Um, it, it's, uh, so so the, the reputations really aren't going to change. And the reps will continue to start at 50. They're not going to get pushed up to 60. The, as far as like the, when the reps, when, when you start, access it, yes, yeah, you still have still access to the reps at 50. At 50. Uh, okay, thank you. That was my Is that was your question? Okay, yes, thank you. In the early days of Star Trek, after the after TOS, you had the TAS, and I know you have a felinoid species in your game already, but one of the ones I've always been fascinated is the Zinti, which is a Larry Niven crossover, and I was wondering if you ever, uh, or if you have considered, or if you ever would consider, and I'm new to this, so this may have been answered sometime in the past, but um, introducing that species into your uh, that, that's a great question. I actually has, have never been directly asked that question. Uh, the Kazinti is really tied up in, in, in licensing that, that we and CBS do not have access to. Okay, so we, we, we cannot use them. The closest thing is that we, uh, after we added the Cations to the game, we added the, uh, what's their, what's Ferocians. That? the Ferocians. The Ferocians, right. which are basically the bad kitties in our game. So on the, you can access the Ferocians on the, on the, on the Klingon sides. But, but unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever have get access to the Kazinti. Yeah, uh, and I talked to Al about this a long time ago, actually. We kind of, 
Um, if you've heard of the TNG species, the Zen Kathy, I think that name kind of came as a way to avoid all the licensing issues with the Xenti. And I think it would have been cool if we had called the Ferocens Zenkethi. So if you want to put that in your headcanon as to why <laughs> that, that they're really the Zenkethi, you can do that. That's what I do sometimes. But, but you know, it's just this weird, weird web we weave. Yeah, the animated series licensing is really complicated, and, and it's, we only have like partial access to some of that. So it's the only one that's weird. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, guys. Uh, can you tell us anything about what's going to happen with uh, Lockbox and Lobi ships with the upgrade to Tier 6? And also, where can I get one of those shirts? Well, the shirts, as a matter of fact, you can get them. Um, if you stop by uh, at 7 p.m. tonight at the iBar, meet the, meet the devs, we will be giving away prizes, uh, including, uh, well, Thomas will talk a little bit more about that, including these t-shirts. So we'll be, uh, we have a handful of these to give away. Um, they won't have the little dev emblem on the side, but, but other than that, they're the same. Um, uh, as far as your, your existing lockbox ships, um, what I'll say about that is that you will be able to continue to use them. They'll be continue to be competitive with Delta Rising, um, and you will be able to, uh, to you'll be able to make them better. That's all I'll say about them at this point. Okay, so they'll be they'll, don't worry about them. We're, we we won't forget about the tier five existing tier five or lockbox ships. Sure. Hi everyone. Um, I'm the Foundry author, and I'd just like to uh, express through you to the people that actually had included stuff in the Foundry recently uh, to say thank you uh, for the actual work that they've done, uh, putting assets and costumes and uh, ships and all that stuff in the Foundry. So thank you uh, for that. Uh, but I also ask what. Um, Function uh, within Star Trek Online, do you see the Foundry uh, taking up? What, 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 as a system, role will it fulfill in the future? Sure. So first off, I'd like to thank Taco Fangs and uh, Zeronius Rex, because they make sure that a lot of stuff gets added to the Foundry for you guys, a lot of those costumes, new assets, things like that. Um, we see the Foundry as the tool for the players to create their own stories in the game and kind of a branch of our existing content, so that way there's always something to play. Um, we have some plans for the near future to kind of leverage the Foundry in ways that may make it more visible to more people, which uh, could make it a lot more popular. Thank you. So it looks like we just got one uh, one last question over there. Garrett, can I have your t-shirt after the panel? Uh, <laughs> I got dibs. It's my, my fiance. Uh, <laughs> well, about my booth in the uh, vendor's room. We'll talk, okay? Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. Yeah, I think we're out of time. Uh, it was great to see everybody here. Uh, like Al said, we're going to have a Meet the Devs event at 7 p.m. tonight at the iBar in the Rio. We're going to have lots of Delta Rising t-shirts to give away. We're going to have signed Delta Rising posters. They're signed by the dev team. And we're also going to have an AMD uh, video card, which is kind of our grand prize, and uh, some Alienware uh, stuff to give away as well. So this is all going to be a raffle tonight at 7 p.m. at the iBar. If you didn't get your question answered right now, just we'll, uh, most of us, I think all of us are going to be there um, so you can talk to us directly. So thanks again, everybody. 
Thanks for coming. Yeah, Zimmy is just down the hall. By uh, where you checked in. It's actually, I think, the, the bar right there. Yeah, just right? past the Starbucks and keep going in the casino is the I bar at 7 p.m. Also, um, if you want to get a, have any other immediate questions you want to ask me and some of the devs, we're going to be heading over to the Trek Radio booth in the vendor room. And, be, uh, and I think uh, Priority One Podcast is going to be doing some... Uh, is going to be doing some uh, some Q and A out there. So, so if you want to, if you have any other questions, you can come there first, and otherwise, we'll see you at the I bar with prizes. Thank you, thanks very everyone. Thank, Thank you very much. Thanks for questions. Well, let's hear it for Garrett and the wonderful crew of Star Trek Online. Uh, joining us today after an amazing, amazing announcement and panel uh, here at Star Trek Las Vegas is uh, Star Trek Online's lead designer Al Captain Gecko Rivera and Star Trek Online's producer. Steve, uh, uh, Salami and Freno Ricosa. <laughs> Randy's back. He's all right. He's, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. And in the, uh, in the booth, we have several, I'm sorry, out in the crowd, we have several devs out uh, that have also uh, joined this weekend to talk about Star Trek Online and to talk about the amazing news uh, that, uh, that made it, that made it this, uh, that, that made it uh, today, just a few moments ago. So, Al, why don't you talk to us a little bit about that announcement. Uh, for those that may not have been able to hear it, Give us a brief recap. So, uh, what we just announced was this October, we'll be releasing our, our next big expansion. Uh, it'll be a full expansion. It's just the biggest, biggest thing we released since Legacy Romulus. Um, it's called Delta Rising. And we will be taking the player to the Delta Quadrant. Um, and we will be raising the level cap to level 60. And we're introducing new tier 6 ships. And uh, we're bringing in a bunch of... Uh, Several Voyager cast members, including Tim Russ, and we're announcing today Garrett Wong will be joining the joining the staff. Uh, uh, but it's intended that other Voyager is that that's hope, hopefully the goal. We've got uh, we've got a few more lined up, or we're going to be slowly revealing that to you guys. That, that is absolutely exciting. Now, so t why the Delta Quadrant? Why why go that direction? Well, the Delta Quadrant is uh, we really want to tell a story about the Delta Quadrant. It's uh, it seems like the obvious place to go, and we've been we've been you know telling that story for the last year. With uh, the sphere of influence, and that the and that uh, you know the sphere is on the edge of the delta quadrant, and the undine came through it, right? So, but but why we went there in the first place was because it was time to tell that story. It's been 32 years since Voyager in our timeline, since Voyager uh, left the delta quadrant. You know, our Star Trek Online takes four and 2410, so it's been 32 years. So we wanted to tell everybody what has happened to all the friends and enemies out there, and more importantly, probably what effects did Voyager. Uh, have over seven years in that Delta Quadrant. They had to do a lot of things to survive, and um, so we'll see. Get to see, maybe get to see what happens. That's exciting. And uh, October, right? Is is the schedule? Yeah. October is the time frame we're shooting for. Yeah. Now, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the other little announcements that were made with it. Tier six ships. Tier six ships. Yes. Tell us about that. There are tier six ships. All right. No, okay. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, we, we, just to be clear, so uh, all three factions will be getting new starships. Um, it's a new tier ship. It's a significant, significant increase, uh, and uh, there will be uh, several of them for all factions. And um, there will be a new class of starship to go along with that. Uh, we're not talking about what that class is, uh, but there will also be a new class of bridge officer to go with that. 
I'm personally most excited about the bridge officers. That's something I've wanted for years. You can ask Al. I've been talking about it for literally years. We need some new bridge officer classes in the game, really mix it up. And I think this is going to really add a different dimension to uh, gameplay. That's fantastic. Can you, uh, other than, it's, okay, so when you say a, a new class, uh, and I'm sure, you know, we can't talk too much about it. Um, what let's can call, you add to that? Yeah, what can you add to like that? like a subclass. Let's, let's, take, let's take a look at it from the, from the perspective of a fantasy game. If a fantasy game had a fighter and a, a cleric and a magic user, and then you had a ranger. It's kind of okay. a fighter, right? Okay, okay. So something like that, right? Some sort of like subclass of, uh, that could kind of work in, in conjunction with other things. Uh, kind of like warbirds? Maybe yeah, warbirds are kind of like that, you know. So you've got you got the little you got the layer of warbirdiness with the singularity stuff on top of the fact that you actually have science vessel warbirds and you have and you have carrier warbird science vessel warbirds and you have you know escort type warbirds. So kind of that, like laying that layer. So I guess it's a really good way of laying. It's a new layer of stuff to distinguish these ships. Now you also talked about a new uh, skill tree that players yes. will be able to go through because on top of that with, with the level cap. Talk to us about the, uh, that skill tree uh, add addition to the game. So this is going to be the beyond 50 level progression system. So currently you've got the skill system as it exists. Once you hit 50, you'll be progressing through this new system exclusively. Um, and you can progress beyond 60. Once you hit 60, that doesn't mean you're done. You are still progressing in the system. Now, what uh, you mentioned new powers in the, the skill tree system, things of like that? Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it. I did. I did, yes. The, the skill tree system will give you access to brand new space and ground powers. Um, and uh, yeah, like, like, like Steven said, uh, you'll start advancing in these uh, specialization skill trees to kind of customize your captain how you'd like. And uh, you'll start at level 50, and then, but even though you finish leveling up at 60, you still keep advancing in your skill trees. So, uh, with these new skill trees, uh, let's say, you know, one thing that has, for, for me personally, been uh, something I, I'll talk about is frequently is uh, the, the flexibility that, that captains have with their career. So with these new skills, what type of content will be developed, if you can answer this, to really take advantage of that, that new skill tree? I think it'll add far more variety and flexibility into builds. Um, I don't know if it'll add a ton of different variety into uh, the actual gameplay as far as specific missions catering to those specializations. There's a little bit of tie-in thematically, I'll there's, say. Yeah, there, there'll be a thematic tie-in. Every time we release a new one, there'll be a theme, but it probably won't be, you know, I can play this specific mission because I'm using this specialization. It will not be that. But it'll add a lot of flexibility to builds. It'll definitely differentiate people. If you and I have the same escort tactical captain build, based on our specializations, we can be rather different. Wonderful, that's exciting, that's exciting. Mav, do you have any questions? Filtering from what we're getting on the chat now, and there has been a lot of them, uh, one of them is uh, people are asking, are we gonna be able to improve all tier five ships with uh, the improvement of Delta Rising? Um, we expected that that would be a, a big question. First and foremost, that um, if you don't want to, you'll be able to continue to play your existing tier five ship um, throughout all of, uh, throughout all the way up through level 60. So, um, so we're making sure that that gets taken care of. Um, it's, a kind of it's, it's a little bit of a, we're gonna be a little bit coy about how that's all gonna work right now. Um, but if you do have an existing tier five ship, many and uh, maybe you know, uh, most, I'll say, ships, you'll be able to improve in some way to, to, uh, 
to get some of the advantages that tier six ships will have. And that's about all I really want to say about it right now. Um, we will be announcing full details on that really soon. But uh, we're, we, one of the first things we did when we developed this and started designing and talking this, we knew that we needed to improve you know, we need to raise the level cap. That was something that was very obvious to us. And we know that that meant we need a new tier of six to make people excited and have, uh, and have new ways to kind of, uh, for us to develop and design growth because we've gotten kind of tight on all the different things we can do with existing ships. So we needed to kind of give ourselves some breathing rooms. But we definitely did not want to make anything that players have invested in obsolete. So, so that, was, that was a big part of the conversation. How do we make sure that people aren't left behind? How we don't invalidate five years worth of purchases, right? That's, that was at the forefront of our conversation. So hopefully people don't worry too much because I've already got a bunch of Twitter questions about it. We'll have a full blog, just as Al said, you know, not too far from now. Tell on that. Let's go to this guy's question. He's been waiting for a long time. Right, Here we've got to say. Okay. Hey, what's your, first, what's his name? What's your name? Jerry. All right, Jerry, tell us your question. I was wondering if the Cardassians are going to play a larger role in the game or it be possible like a playable faction as in legacy of Romulus, because I've always felt that the political power struggles, like with the Obsidian Order and Central Command and the Dapa Council, I always found that interesting. I, 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 I think I heard about I think I heard about Cardassians. Yeah. So um, that's a really good question. I think that it is inevitable that we will be adding Cardassians uh, either as a playable species, or I don't know if they would ever be their own faction. I don't know. Um, really not a part of uh, Expansion 2 Delta Rising. We're really focusing on Delta Quadrant right now. Everything is Delta Quadrant. But there's a whole other Gamma Quadrant yeah. out there, and that seems to be the most logical time when we get to that, that we bring Cardassians. Or maybe we'll just make Cardassians just playable earlier than that. I guess they're all, like in, as a start, in a way of legacy of Romulus. Yes, like a, yes. So, you know, honestly, we've talked about when we were just planning for for uh, Delta Rising, did we want to make a, just, ha just like it did with Legacy of Romulus, have a, uh, a new playable species, like, and, and one of the candidates was Cardassian. So could we do Cardassian as a new faction? Um, but we, we backed away from it because we were afraid that it was the same story of Legacy of Romulus because they've been beaten down, you've got the, you've got the, uh, the Obsidian Order, and that felt like the same story as the Tal Shiar and, the Rom and, and what's happened to the Romulans. So it wasn't the right timing yet to do that. But I do think that it's natural to bring them in eventually. I'm not meaning to rush you. I would prefer it to take longer as, and be more fleshed out than just rushed. I, so I, good yeah, luck with the game. I, I love it. Thank you for having and me And thank you so much for your question. Thank Thanks you, for thank stopping you, thank by. You, thank you very much. With Lockbot, with the changes and upgrades, uh, with the level cap increase and, and full fleet admiral, will it increase the access to ships as well? Um, are you basically a I I are you asking that? Will you be able to control more than one ship now that you're winning the front? Oh, oh yeah, no, that's that's something a feature I talked about a long time ago. It's kind of one of those wish list items about, about basically having like an away team in space. That's not going to be a feature of uh, of Delta Rising. That is definitely uh, one of Al's dragons that he really wants to to chase to get happening in the game one day. Um, no, I'm definitely on board with that. Yeah, Shiriko. So that's something we've wanted for a long time. Um, not not uh, not this October, but uh, it, it will eventually happen. All right, my name's Chris, uh, Grim Reaper's Fleet. Uh, met you last year, and uh, super excited to meet you again. And um, uh, going back to last year, Al, uh, you teased us with 
uh, secondary deflectors and your vision <laughs> of how every science ship could be retrofitted with a secondary deflector. And we waited patiently, some of us, uh, and, and then cruiser comma rays came out. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Secondary deflectors are, are next. And then we got the Dyson. It's like, yes, they're almost here. They're almost there. And now it's a year later. I know. They're on the schedule, I promise. Here's the thing. They're on the schedule. I'm, Was it a resource thing? No, here's the thing. Well, effectively, yes. I'm in charge of design, and I say, I want all this cool stuff in the game. I have all this stuff. And then he comes around with reality and says, this is the schedule. Do you want secondary deflectors, or do you want Delta Rising? <laughs> so he gave you a choice. No, I mean, Not basically... Really. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, yes, it is a resource thing, and... Uh, and it happens all the time um, with all the best intentions. I'll be honest with you, they're really close to being done, right? We've got, we put a lot of work into them already, but there's still a little bit more that has to be done. And, I, and you, do, you do have them on the schedule they are, now. They are on the schedule. It doesn't mean they won't get pushed, but they're on the schedule, so that means I can see where they're at. I'm just curious, because I'm making up excuses for you at one point, and I, and I realize with new, with new crafting, I'm thinking, oh, maybe, maybe they don't want to complicate the crafting revamp no, by introducing they'll, they'll, they'll nothing up, to do They'll with end it? up in the science crafting store. Uh, okay. I mean, they're, they're, they're actually already earmarked for science crafting. They'll show up with the other deflectors. So, without putting words in your now, mouth, but before the next convention? <laughs> Ooh. You'll never time you do a date. <laughs> Soon. 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 No, it's a really uh, good sorry. question. I appreciate it. Uh, do we have another question? I, I think it's pretty realistic to get them soon. Another question right here. Hello there. Hello, uh, STO developer team. So What's your name? I, uh, my name in game is Sacha. Is what? Sacha. Sacha. What's your real name? Bruno Casolari. Sacha. Uh oh, now everybody's going to know. He was trying to be. He was trying They're going to know where I am this week. Right, great. So um, I believe I heard on priority one that you guys were planning on kind of doing a revamp on the Nebula. On what? On the Nebula class Nebula. starship. Oh. And if that is indeed true, I guess what I was curious about is kind of what you were thinking in terms of the revamp, and then when we might see that. Well, we have a couple of ships that I really want to give a little love. You know, you know, some of our ships are, what, four years old now, right? And so as we keep adding new ships, we start realizing that really good, really original ones that were really popular, like the Galaxy and the Galaxy Dreadnought, says, wow, they're starting to lag behind with some of the newer stuff we did. So every so often, we try to go back and improve those. So on my personal list was the Galaxy itself. I still need, to, I still have a promise to the Klingons to improve the, uh, the, uh, the Garumba. Right. And uh, the Aquarius, I want to turn that into a true raider mm -hmm. um, and uh, give that a little bit love. And the nebula, and the uh, as well as the the uh, the Dakir, the the, the, the Romulan Dakir. So all of those, I think, I need a little bit of love uh, and attention. Um, and even some of the more the dilithium quality ships, like the like the Luna class, right? That are really loved right. class. Um, with Delta Rising, it gives us an opportunity to try to give some of those a little attention. Okay. Um, and. Although I can't promise all of those will be will be improved with Delta Rising, it basically makes it a lot easier for us to go ahead and say, okay, this is what what you can do to your ship to make it more competitive. I see. Okay. So those will kind of start getting rolled out in a little bit more of a better cadence than before. So we needed to just let's just wait until Delta Rising before we do that. Uh, can I ask a follow-up in, in relation yes, to may. what we heard today? Um, will we have the ability to? 
upgrade or craft our tier five ships into tier six ships, or will there be um, some way to? You're not going to be. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to tie it in any way to crafting that I can think of. Uh, certainly not in the near future. Um, all, all I'll say, and I, as I've said before, that we, we were very, very clear when we were designing Expansion 2, when we were designing like, uh, uh, Delta Rising, that we want to give players new ships to play with, but not invalidate older ships. So right. your existing ships will still be valid, right. and it's a little, a little, a little complicated and coy on how those are going to, how that's actually going to work. But you will be able to invest in your new ship and improve in your old ships and improve them so that way uh, you can still stick with ones that you like. Got it. Uh, in addition to enjoy all the crazy new wonderful stuff that only the tier six ships may have. I see. Okay. Very so, good. Thank so you very much. So that way you can enjoy the old ones, but still hopefully say, but I still really want that awesome you know, tier six cruiser because it has something that right. nobody else can nobody do. Nobody else has. Okay. Well, thank you it's, very it's much. It's a tough question to answer. Thank you very much. And but, thank you Priority we'll One for being the we'll have a far primary more details. source for We'll have far more details of that really soon. I was going to uh, try to get uh, Kate uh, Banks in it because she designed a few uh, missions, correct? Well, I'm sure there's a ton of content yes. that is going to be coming out. Uh, can you grab Kate? Can Let's you bring grab Kate over here so another, she can not um, tell us anything about yeah, the missions right, right, that she's right. working on. <laughs> but while we get Kate, uh, why don't we take a, a question from uh, one, of, uh, one of the attendees here at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. Introduce yourself, please. Hey, guys. Uh, Mike Millette, a member of 12th Fleet. Nice Thanks to meet you, everything Mike. you've done. We appreciate the announcement today. I know you mentioned a little bit um, in session about being able to dock from tablets um, or other Android devices or uh, other portable devices. You, you said you've got it on the, the radar, but you can't give a firm projection. Well, here's the if thing. We bug is you that more? It's not, it's, there's nothing scheduled for it, okay? It's not, it's not something we have currently scheduled, but before it was never a reality. True. Right? Before with the old, the old duty officer UI, we said, can we get this on Gateway? And we looked at it and says, there's really no way. It's too complicated. There's no way we could fit it on a tablet, let alone a cell phone. So as we develop the new, as we develop the research and development system, and as we, and then said, let's do this, and now let's apply what we're learning here to the duty officer uh, UI, and it says, this will now make it a, a possibility. Uh, you know, now, it's, now it's actually realistic to do. So now it's a matter of now, as we now, finish up Delta Rising and start planning the new stuff going forward, we can decide, okay, how much time is this really going to take us? This is basically what we do every update. These are the features we want. We want this, we want gateway, we want, you know, maybe we want a PvP update, we want fleet ships, we want all these kind of things. And which which one can we do for the next one, which one can't? And if we can fit in fit in gateway support, if it's if we schedule it out, wow, you know what? It's only gonna take it's only gonna take ten days to do. Let's do it. Or we look at it and says, wow, it's gonna take three months to do. We're gonna have to postpone that. So we don't know how long it's gonna take, we've got to work with the engineers, but now it's a possibility. Now we can do it because we don't have to spend I mean we spent what? How long do we spend on crafting and and, and duty officer revamp? I mean what, six months? Six months working on that. Okay? So we got to get that as a freebie. So now, because that basically with the work we would have had to have done to even think about it. So now it's done. So now we can start, now, now it's in reach. So when we know, we'll certainly announce it as soon as possible. Appreciate the answer, thanks. Thank you. So we're just joined by Kate, staff content designer at uh, Cryptic Studios. Thank you, Kate, for, uh, for stopping by and joining us here. No problem. So Delta Rising, I'm sure, has a ton 
of new content and missions, right? Uh -oh. Yes. Uh-oh. All right, be careful uh -oh. about... <laughs> yeah, she can't talk too much. Go ahead. She's I at love, phaser point. I love Cryptic. <laughs> I love Al. He's the best manager. He's the best manager. <laughs> so what, uh, tell us what, what you've been working on. You know, the, the season 9.5, season 9 was fantastic. Sphere of Influence, that was a, an amazing mission. And Surface uh, Tension. Surface Tension. What did I just say? Sphere of Influence. It's okay, so, I do it too. Okay. <laughs> Uh, which was a fantastic mission. Everybody loved it. Uh, what are you working on now with, with Delta Rising? Stop. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the right answer. Stuff for the next thing. It's it's really cool. Yeah, that's the standard answer. That's the standard answer. All right, we got to get a little bit. So give her permission to say something. Give her the A-OK -okay to say something. Give us um, no, no pressure. No pressure. Uh, with the <laughs> hot We're, we're not talking about any story-related right, stuff right. other than, you know, we announced some of the species that are coming. Um, and so we'll be doing stories around that stuff. So what uh, can you? What challenges are you facing now with uh, the development of any of the new uh, content? Um, I'm doing a new type of thing I haven't done before, and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And it's really interesting and entertaining. And I get back to that on Monday. I'm excited to do so. Um, you can say you can say the type that you're working okay, on. Okay, I'm working on a queue. I've never done a queue before, um, and I'm super excited to do that. I haven't done one since Champions. It's been a few years. So, uh, and in the way Stowe does it is very different. You know, in, in terms of how things are done. So it's been really exciting uh, working with the team, getting that, you know, iterated on and feeling really fun. And oh my gosh, there's so many cool things that I can't tell you right now. I, I hate to do this to you guys, but unfortunately, like all the stuff I have been working on is like story related or like stuff we haven't announced yet related. So yeah. So, Sorry all right, about so that. let me ask you this because one of for the last several weeks it seems that Foundry has been uh, a hot topic. And you actually wrote a story uh, for Star Trek magazine. I uh, did. It was fun. It, it was a, a great story. And then this last issue, um, Christine Thompson also wrote a, a She a did. Short story. It was also really good. So one, one of the things that I was mentioning in the show, um, and I was also on Foundry Files talking about it, uh, found, I'm sorry, Foundry Roundtable, was what what would what what other hurdles do you face to try to make a mission like that? So, for instance, with Christine's mission, it was a bit of an escort. You you could escort potentially the Aquarius back to the Enterprise, which is a, a, a nice little side story. Doesn't have to be uh, um, directly relating to the the plots that you guys are unfolding as the as the timeline continues. But what what? keeps um, Cryptic from like designing some a, a little one-off story like that in between big seasons? Oh, gosh. Um, time and this guy? Yeah, that's probably <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But looking forward, we've actually kind of earmarked some time to try and get some more of those small stories in there for everyone. One of the to... things I'm doing is kind of like that. The, uh, the, the, the other thing. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. a little bit like that. Yep, it's, a it's, little a little, bit. it's a little mini adventure that yep. kind of goes along lines. It's in support of the big story. Um, it's kind of its own self-contained thing. Um, but, you know, it's, it is, it's, a little, it's a little mini adventure. Yep. Generally, it's scheduling. We want to try and make each season, or season release as big as possible. If we're focused on Delta Rising, it takes time away from trying to get a little story in there. But uh, we've got a pretty neat schedule for the next calendar year um, and beyond that could allow us to do some stuff like that. 
What about turning to Foundry authors for something like that? And, and for instance, right now we have the Foundry Spotlight. So a, a, a bit of a plot is given, and uh, the the Foundry authors end up developing a plot and is highlighted and, and put as a as a spotlight mission. Uh, has there been any thoughts about possibly incorporating, getting maybe Christine or Kate involved, giving a bit of that plot, like if Christine gave the plot of the Aquarius Escort, and then giving it to the Foundry, and then a Foundry author do it, and the best one to do it would be spotlighted in some kind of fashion. Uh, that's a pretty interesting idea, something we can consider internally. Uh, we currently have a plan uh, in the not-too-distant future to integrate Foundry in a more, and I mentioned it in the panel, in a more complete way that would be pretty much instantly visible to anyone that's just flying around playing. Um, and I feel like that'll give authors a lot of attention um, for all their missions. It's pretty exciting. Wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Do we have a question from the chat? Yeah. All right, let's do, one, let's do one or two from the chat, then we'll go back to, uh, to the crowd. Yeah, there is pages of questions. Okay, so don't send any more through the chat right now because I have tons to ask. Stop. But, the first, but the first one right now is uh, why with R&D, why add the R&D project limitations uh, that were not in testing? What was the reason why the you added limitations now to R&D that weren't there in testing and initial release? You mean the research, the research project? Yes. Okay, I'm going to be very clear about this. Yes. Okay, I've answered this already a couple times. Okay, so. The, the, uh, the research, the, the, the fact that you can run multiple research and development projects was a complete and utter bug. Okay, so you can run multiple of the same school. It was never meant to be that way. That was something we added at the last moment. Um, so that way you could, with all the research projects, you can do some of them are a couple minutes, some of them are a couple hours. And then we wanted something, something you could do when you log off. And you know, that way we could be able to collect a big, a big reward. Uh, the next day. Uh, we did, definitely did not intend for you to be able to run five of them in one school. It really ruins the balance of how quickly we're expecting you to be able to get through um, any particular school. You can still run multiple ones from different schools, okay? So if you have five slots open, you can have one, one running from each school. So um, why? Because it ruins the entire uh, level up curve that was planned for the research school. I, I, I personally apologize for the bug going out there. It was very unfortunate, but we cut it really quickly, and uh, I understand the frustration with it, but um, it wasn't intended, and that, uh, that's about what I've got to say about that. Uh, uh, I think that's what's, what's probably going to take the uh, edge off a little bit is if we ever, you know, once we able to get to, if, if we could ever get this onto Gateway, some of those projects, you know, if you're running every two hours and four hours, they're far more efficient than the research development project. They're about half as efficient. So if you can just kind of keep hitting your phone every few hours and collecting those rewards. Uh, and, oh, and Shalom Bell Crafting Weekend. So we've got Crafting Weekend going is that, on is right that this now. Weekend? This weekend? It is this weekend. right now. While we're here. 50% more XP. I know I was running my projects before I left oh, <laughs> every morning when I get into work. Um, so, you know, that'll be part of the regular rotation as well, and that'll be definitely be a way to uh, soak up some of that sweet XP. Yeah, well, tell me what's in the, what's in the crafting weekend. We've got... So 50% more XP. 50% more crafting More resources XP. out of... Uh, resource packs you get out of queues and out of the packs that you purchase on the sea store as well as dilithium out of uh, anomalies that you find out in space yeah so lot, lots of lot, yeah good good uh, good, good, good opportunity right? to really get a good weekend. leg up on, uh, on on crafting this weekend agreed I'm wondering if if perhaps we were talking about this on Thursday night when we were recording episode 184 was that um, in most crafting systems you become the master of your one craft 
And I think that it might, like when I first looked at it, I was like, all right, I want to be, I want to start all of them or as many as I can all at once. And if I try that, it's going to take me forever to do it. Where by design, I, I, I would think, and, and you can comment on it, please. Um, you're a, a player really should probably focus on one school at a time, be that master and move on to the next as would be in most other systems. So one of our early designs, we discussed pretty extensively how many schools you could actually run at a time. We talked about, oh, you have to get one school to tier 10 before you can start another and you got to get two schools to 10 to start a third and things like that. And we went back and forth a lot and we thought that it offered the most flexibility to players to let them just pick and choose. If you want to be level five and everything, and just kind of be low level and that's what you want to do, that's great. If you want to deep dive on one and maybe have a secondary one, that's fine too. But we felt at the end of the day, giving the players a flexibility of choice was better than artificially restricting. Right, right. What's the root of your question that you're really... Well, I, no, I, no I, I'm not... It's, it's really a question, more of an observation that I think that the community has uh, looked at the five schools and want to start them immediately. So when they, when they went... Yeah, all, all the school. I'm sorry, all the schools at one time and start them immediately and try to progress and be the master of all of them. Where, in reality, there probably should people should probably focus on one school at a time and yeah, be that master crafter. And to be clear, if you're doing regular, if you're doing normal crafting projects that make either a uh, a component or an actual item, that's far more, it's twice as a XP efficient as running a research project overnight. So if you really want to get through a project, then the most efficient way is running bite-sized projects on one school over and over while you're playing, and then, and then pick one to log out on when you're done. It's probably the most efficient way to do that. We have, uh, yes. we have another question here in the audience. Do we have a mic out there or no? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. What's your name? Yeah. Uh, George. George? George, yes. Nice to meet you, George. Uh, yes, um, life member. Yeah, you asked a question at the panel. I did, yes. Um, I actually have one more question. You did... Uh, kind of address it, uh, something very similar in there, but so it, I know it's a licensing issue. I don't know what kind of expense it would take to, uh, if it would be worthwhile or not, but ha um, have you considered any of the uh, FASA ship designs? I know that, that they had a lot of beautiful ships back then, and I know that a lot of Romulans out there would love to have a wing defender. Well, it's not necessarily always a matter of, of, of dollars. It's, it's often just a matter of just legal mess, right? Uh, it's who owns the rights to it? Sometimes nobody even knows, right? Is it CBS? Is it wh whoever? Is, and so it just gets really ugly, and then you get, and then, and, and, and then lawyers get involved, and then it just gets complicated. And so in general, we just need, we always just stick with the Canon ships. Um, we made a real exception for, you know, say the the Luna and the and the uh, and the and the Vesta class, the, the Vesta class. Um, but for the most part, once we've gotten all the IP ships, which we almost got them all, we're just going to continue making our own designs at this point. It's unlikely that we would uh, we would bring in any other third-party license ships. It's um, you know, even if we do get you know get past the licensing, then it, and and the contracts and the lawyers, then it then 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 there's the expense, and then some people have unrealistic expectations about what they want to sell something for, and it's just hard. It's just hard. It's logistically a nightmare. But I understand. Yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. It. There's some yeah, gorgeous stuff out there. Disappointing, but I I'm definitely like, Ooh, understand. That's really pretty. I love that in the game. But you know what? It's not really ours. It doesn't really feel like Star Trek Online too. So, right. but thank, thank you. you. How much time you got? 
Whatever. I'm fine. I'm done. Okay, I got one from the Okay, so here's one that's been mentioned a couple times. Al, you talked about it on Stoked, and we mentioned it a little bit briefly. Uh, with the mention and, and the discussion that keeps coming up about power creep, how is increasing the level cap and increasing the gear and the power of the gear supposed to help combat level cap? That's exactly what it will do. Creep? That's the thing, right? So right now, say our game is balanced for like here, right? Right. And now players are starting to be able to do all of this, right? Right? Players are more powerful than what the content is. Right. So now we make content that's this much harder. So that power creep means crap now, right? Because so, so now we get the chance to rebalance the game for up here. So all those players now, when they when they when they have all their power creep and all their uh, and all their all their gear, and now when everything is balanced for tier six ships with Mark 14 gear, good luck, right? <laughs> so. So we've, now there's all kinds of things to try to advance into, to uh, more opportunities to kind of rebalance and, and, and lots of different opportunities to just make things really challenging for everybody. Um, one of the biggest challenges we have is that we have a broad audience of skill from people who first MMO or first game um, to really hardcore players that have everything. So we're trying to make it so everybody has a challenge, but now, this is why it was kind of like, you know, to be honest with you, it was okay to make some of the ships be a little more powerful, a little more powerful, because we've got another level of power to reach up to, uh, to attain. So uh, that's how the power creep should be addressed. What's going to happen to Oxbat? What's going to happen to Oxbat? I'm just going to nerf it. Screw it. It's done. <laughs> I think we had a, a question out here. Hi. Um, Michael. Hi, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing your game for quite a while. You have a Wells class in the game? Yes. I hope. Okay. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> uh, I really like how you guys updated the Odyssey class with the whole fancy dress and the tactical uniform. That was Thomas. Where's Thomas? Thomas. He's a, he's a guy who did it. So let's talk to Thomas. Thomas. Anyway, let's ask a question. I'll get Thomas over here who did that. All right. Uh, I was wondering uh, if there was ever going to be a off-duty version of the Odyssey uniform, like how they have for the Next Generation movie uniform and the DS9 uniform. It's unbuttoned and just showing the... Yes. Well, let me let me quickly introduce. Uh, we're joined now by uh, lead artist Brad Stoken, and Thomas the Cryptic Cat is right here standing, and we just have an art question. So, the question is a. Uh, I've, all right, I've noticed the new updates for the Odyssey uniform. I was wondering if there's ever going to be a open jacket version of the Odyssey uniform. Brad? Well, if you're uh, asking if there's ever going to be, I think that uh, it's a pretty safe bet. Uh, I guess, uh, as with anything, the question is when. But uh, it's definitely a good suggestion. I mean, there were so many ideas, you know, uh, always so many ideas that we want to implement. Uh, and it's, it's just when, you know, how many can we afford to do at the time? But, uh, yeah, I love that. I love that idea. I mean, uh, we took a lot of inspiration, obviously, for the uh, dress uniform from, from the twalk jacket. Uh, and so, yeah, I could totally see doing that at some point in the future. Open yeah. it up and uh, take a load off. So, so Brad designed the um, designed the Odyssey dress and the Odyssey tactical uniforms, uh, and everybody really loves them. And I think, I think we're all really excited about that too. That that change to standardize the uniforms for 2410 and make a canon Star Trek Online uniform. Uh, so I can only see that you know expanding is more variants on that theme. I also have a second question, if I'm allowed to. I also have a second question, if I'm allowed to. You know, all right. Um, I was. I've noticed how in fleet 
star bases and all that, the, the, all the NPCs now have the generic Odyssey. I found that very fascinating. I was wondering, I've heard some people every so often in other fleets ask if uh, anyone was ever going to try to make a way of making the fleet uniform wearable for the NPCs. Yeah, we've heard people, I've heard people mention that before. I think that's a pretty challenging software issue. Um, so I don't, I don't know, you know, uh, when we might tackle that. Uh, it's a great idea, it'd be really cool, but uh, there are a lot of systems. So, that, so how those NPCs are populated are they are, um, there's something that content sets up, uh, that like Kate and the other content designers set up those, uh, we call them critters. Um, and then they have preset costumes that are basically like, this is a list of costumes these critters can use. Um, so getting that list to pull from the existing fleet uniforms, especially when you're probably going to want, you're going to want like a science version, an engineering version, and a tactical version, right? So there are going to be a lot of challenging software issues, I think, before we see that happen. But, you know, it's something, you know, we can keep, keep talking about, keep thinking about. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Brad, now we saw a lot of phenomenal art up on that stage and up at Projected. Can you talk to us a little bit, a little bit about uh, creating those environments? Uh, you know, the, the Voyager interior is screen accurate. I mean, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. Talk to us about the challenges that you are facing in trying to bring uh, the Delta Quadrant to life. Sure, sure. So, I mean, the two pillars, I think, going into Delta Rising are, are authenticity for the art team, authenticity, uh, but also originality, right? You want to see uh, in that level of uh, explicit detail uh, what you already know so well, uh, the Voyager interior being a, a great example of that. But you also want to see some new worlds, too, like, uh, um, you know, or new depth brought to species that you uh, have only glimpsed, right? There are several episodes in Voyager, species that uh, you only see in a single show, and we want to bring those to um, greater realization, bring those to life. And so the challenges uh, are twofold. Uh, challenge number one to authenticity um, is just a lot of research, obviously. Um, but uh, one of the benefits of working with such a great art team, uh, dedicated super dedicated team. These guys show so much ownership, um, so much uh, dedication. They do uh, so much research down to the, the greatest minutia. Um, catch the little details that, you know, only someone who's that dedicated to the craft will capture. And I ho our hope is when the players see that uh, replicated in an interactive environment, it's just a great geek out moment. I know for me, Wandering around these environments, uh, it just feels feels real, um, right? It's great. Uh, second challenge is obviously, um, and this one's very enjoyable as far as challenges go, is elaborating on the clues, the hints we see uh, in the show for some of these cultures and developing a unique art style for those assets that really kind of allows you to see what the inherent values of those cultures are, whether they're sort of an ancient race or, or whether they use a certain type of technology, if their sort of way of warfare is uh, fast and abrupt or sort of slow and methodical, hopefully that comes across in the art design. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's exciting that uh, so much time is being invested in authenticity and making sure that even in the new strange new worlds that you will be creating, touchstone and are influenced by you know the, the franchise that we love that we know and love. Exactly. You know? So which is fantastic. The uh, I think the first Voyager room that we made was Astrometrics, and oh, we went yeah. back and forth forever to make sure like how's the scale feel, how's the ceiling. Taco Fangs can can relate because he was the guy who made it, and we just kept saying ah, ceiling's a little too low. Seems a little too high, you know, and just 
he made some new Elkar stuff. It was it's fantastic. But that first room had a lot of back and forth to get that authentic IP feel that talk we about got the, to see. Talk about the kitchen. I was going to talk, yeah. talk about the kitchen. Kitchen. Something kitchen. I mentioned uh, briefly. Yeah, the mess hall. <laughs> yeah. Something I mentioned briefly in the uh, in the presentation today, but I'll talk about it again. Um, again, this goes back to authenticity. Making the mess hall for Voyager. The question came up. Uh, are we going to, which which version of the mess hall, right? Because in in literally in the pilot episode of Voyager, if you look closely, and and these guys did, um, there's a replicator, a food replicator, obviously, before they convert it to the full kitchen used by Neelix. And so uh, that's just sort of the thing, right? We're all gathered around a desk, looking at individual frames, right, from the episodes, and and when the transitions happen, and and, and just pulling all that together so that uh, whichever one you want uh, to experience, um, you'll be able to as a player with the Voyager ship interior. Um, um, you can choose. You can choose. Is it just an intrepid class or is it Voyager for you, right? Complete with that kitchen. Wow, that's exciting. That's absolutely exciting. So, Matt, let's turn to the, uh, the chat here uh, and get some questions going. Let's see what uh, people listening live have to say. Okay, one of the questions that came off was, uh, are there any plans to create more varied red alert or blue alert and yellow alert events similar to the Borg red alerts that are in the game now? Yes. That's not, that's, uh, we've been talking about those quite a bit in different ways to implement them, but uh, when we originally designed the Borg Red Alerts, we had a couple more ideas that we wanted to do, but we just didn't end up getting to. Um, we wanted a better way to implement them. We had, we had problems for a long time that we fixed not too long ago of people ending up in empty versions of those, of those um, Borg Red Alerts, but we definitely have had ideas for those in the past, and I think in the coming year we might be able to tackle those. It might be something we can take care of. Uh, another one from the uh, chat that came across. Uh, can you explain more about new exploration coming up in Delta Rising? We know we've kind of moved away from exploration clusters, but now that we're moving into a completely more expansive area that we don't know a lot about, how are we going to expand on exploration in uh, Delta Rising? Everyone's looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can only hear half the question about exploration. Uh, well, uh, I'm not quite sure what you're asking, but whether, I mean, obviously we're going to be having a lot of new content in the game. A lot of it's going to be very heavily story-driven. Um, you're going to see some of the other stuff that we've seen before as far as like patrol-type content and, and cues and, 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 uh, and a lot of new stuff that, uh, that we'll be introducing. I think really what the core of the question is, and I'm going to guess this is, what the, this is really what the core of the question is, that we, we closed down the exploration clusters um, and what are we going to do to replace them? Um, I'll, what I can say is that uh, we do want to bring back a true exploration content type feature to the game. Um, it's going to be a challenge because I think people have a lot of high expectations. What we didn't want is what we had. What we had was really, yeah, it was there. Honestly, I think people should ask themselves if, if we were to release what we had there today, would anybody, how would people feel about it? And, it just, and, and, that, and that's the best way to look at it. Not like it was there, why get rid of it, or I really liked it. It says, if we released it right now, what would the forums look like? Um, and so I think that people would not like it. And so we, we, it's time to pull that out. We've raised, we've raised the quality on what content is like. And so Star Trek is about exploration. And we totally get that. Um, we also need to get that it's really, really hard to get we can't possibly make, manually make, endless amounts of exploration with random stuff. Otherwise, you end up with, you end up with bad stuff. 
So we need to find a smarter way to bring you real exploration content that is endless. So, oh, this is a diplomacy thing. Oh, this is a first contact thing. Oh, this is a, uh, or this is a pre-warp civilization thing. Or this is a medical emergency thing. So, and actually feel like solid content. Um, that'll be a challenge. That is something that is on my personal list of bucket list of really, you know, you know, really good solid feature. So, uh, X2, you're not going to get that. X2, what you are going to get is really solid story-based content, like you saw in Legacy of Romulus, right? Just like going through this really amazing story about what's happening there and uh, and what what's what's really going on behind the scenes. That's what we're going to focus on. And uh, if you enjoyed Legacy of Romulus, you're you're going to uh, and you're going to love this. Plus, it's for it's raising the level cap, so you get to do it with your with your favorite character. Let me ask. So, you know, with Legacy of Romulus, we had a ton of new missions. Uh, there was so much content released um, all at one great time. Has there been thoughts of, of maybe you know releasing missions or contents more on a scheduled basis, like the first week you can only do you know like back to feature not something like that, something like that. Well, <laughs> I can tell you that you're not going to be able to blaze through this content. Okay. Okay. okay? I can tell you that. Um, because there's a level cap increase, so it's it's uh it's not it's not like legacy it's not like legacy Romulus, so levels one to ten, levels one to twenty. I mean you get to get to what the thirty with Romulan content, right, or something like that. And that's actually not a hard level curve. This is fifty to sixty. It's a lot of work you're going to have to do to invest into your character, um, and so hopefully a lot of enjoyable content to go with that. Um, so so. So there, so there's that. Um, what was the other half of the question? I lost track. Uh, that. No, I know. I think you you answered it when you said that players won't be able to burn through it. Yeah. What? Oh, you asked about whether or not we want to release it right, in yeah, cadence yeah, and stuff like that. Um, we uh, we probably will will hold some things off, and so that way we can have maybe have some other stuff to see later on. We've got a kind of a plan of what of what we're going to be doing, say from now to our next anniversary, which. Five-year anniversary is not that far away, not in certainly not in development time. And, uh, and one of the things that Stephen and I have been talking about is trying to do more of what you just said, of more kind of like cadence-released featured episodes. We know people want the story content. It's the favorite, most favorite thing we want to do. We had to really build up a good balance of repeatable endgame stuff to do. And I think there's plenty of it there now. We can bring you a lot more story now. Awesome, awesome. That's exciting. I think a lot of people are really looking forward to, to seeing that type of content and story progress. But of course, I wouldn't be able to get away without asking this one. And it just popped up. I was wondering how long it was going to take. When is Delta Rising going to hit trouble for testing? Oh, you should know that. I don't know. When's Tribble, when's Tribble, when's, when's Delta when's, Rising going when to Tribble? When's testing going to be open? I probably sooner, don't have... Sooner than you think. I don't know if we want to announce a date. Yeah, probably but. sooner than you think, but when it goes out, it's going to trickle, right? It'll, it'll so probably, like, out. the new code goes out first, no content, yeah. just to make sure it works. The new, the new right? code and data branch will hit Tribble this month. Uh, okay. Whether or not content will be on there... Whether it'll be active or not is... Right, but the new, the new code branch will hit Tribble this month. Okay. Now that we're in August. Okay. Yeah, so a little, little bit at a time, so, but soon. Right, we're talking about October, right, right. so it's not so, that far yeah, away. It's not, it's not too far out. Okay. But we have a good rollout plan already set up. You're going to be getting, you're going to be getting so many blogs, it's going to be ridiculous. So, 
week, and so I'm looking forward to eventually getting more. I have a follow-up question. Go ahead. To the, to the Tribble. Um, when we had uh, Trevor on our show a few weeks ago, he was talking about uh, working with the forums or revamping the forums in such a way that you will. Be, it'll be easier for you to read through feed, constructive feedback uh, about the what's on, on Tribble. Can you talk more about that, what, what we might expect? I don't know if that's something from more of a perfect world I, aspect. I, that's, that's kind of, I don't know what his plan is, but I do know that for Legacy Romulus, we had specific forums or threads dedicated to specific episode arcs, and that was hugely helpful. So at the very least, we'll do something like that. We took so much feedback and bugs and just general comments out of there, it's crazy, right? So solid feedback is always reviewed and listened to. We were all over those boards. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What do, go ahead. Okay, I got a few more that's coming through here. One that just really caught my attention, but I'm going to hold off for just a second on it. Um, PvP keeps coming up over and over. Now that we're adding new content to the game, what is being done or what are there any future plans to do anything with PvP? Since you said Delta Rising is more of a story-based content increase, what are we going to do about PvP or adding changes to PvP? So, so basically, we're, we're, we've been dedicated to improving old features, old content, right? So we've improved tutorial, all level 10, we improved the Borg arc. Next, we want to improve some of the other content we've got in the game. We've improved crafting, right? We've, uh, uh, what, what else have we done? What's that? Or space dock, everything, right? And I've mentioned before, all those things have been on the list. So we crafting, PvP, exploration. We just get one pillar, crafting, right? right? So we can't do them all at once. We still got we still got regular content and expansions to to, to release. So um, I can't. What you want to know is when. I can't tell you when, but I do know that that we never forget about them, right? But every time it's like, what what can we chip at, right? So we chose we chose crafting. I think that was really important to do. Um, and then raising level cap, got to do that. That was painfully you know obvious that we needed to kind of grow the game. Um, so so we added that. I all want to do a skill revamp. I've talked about skill revamping, right? So that's really big. Um, but we can only do one at one a time. So that's a lot. I just mentioned a lot of different things that we want to be able to do there. Um, and I know a lot of people have things that are near and dear to them that are really most important to them. And uh, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be able to, make every, to, to get everything that's important to everyone out at the same time. So uh, ho hopefully, hopefully in some reasonable amount of time, I don't have a good answer when that's going to be. Okay, I've got two more. One that specifically kind of deals with me and people that uh, are in my community directly. Uh, first one is uh, lockbox ships and items that are tier five that are currently in the lockbox. Are they looking to be upgraded to tier six or will they stay the same and you'll just have to earn some of the new tier six equipment or gear? Well, there's no tier six equipment. It's Mark 14 gear, tier six ships, right? Um, so I kind of, kind of already answered it with the ships, right? So, um, something, uh, I, I don't want to say too much. Yeah, I don't want to say too much about this. About, I mean, there, there'll definitely be blogs. We'll definitely it's go over it. We've thought about. We, we have definitely thought about, about it, and we're going we're gonna to take care of everybody. We're not. But I, what I will say is that nothing that you have will be obsoleted. Okay. Right? That's really what the crux Everything, ships, gear, whatever, bridge officers, nothing becomes obsoleted. Okay. Now, my personal question, which has already been reflecting here, lifetime subscribers, those have been here since day zero and, and negatives. What is being done to continue to support lifetime players, especially with Delta Rising? Well, you guys just got a new uh, veteran jacket with the Odyssey uniforms. We released uh, 
a couple new uh, veteran jackets when we put that out the odyssey long jacket and the bortoscu long jacket and sash were uh given the 200 day reward to fit um along with uh all that stuff that was already at those levels so those are really you know those are nice perks for for um for lifetime subscribers i don't know if anybody else wants to add uh add anything to that but i, I think i think it's one of those things where you know we, we we're looking at uh whenever we do big updates like that to existing things like the uniforms we kind of factor in it's like well what what are the what are we already giving those those veteran rewards, and what are the things that we're doing now? How do they affect that that stuff, right? So, and even when uh, Legacy Romulus came out, you got another, you know, you got another lifetime ship, and you got more uniforms at each tier for your Romulan captains. So, you know, the the issue is that we want to kind of kind of attempt parity for all the factions for for lifetime rewards. So. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I would say. You know, as far as all that stuff is goes. Uh, I'm sure somebody's thinking this: the captain's table. Any any plans for that? If anybody's got any good ideas, let me know. I honestly <laughs> okay. don't know what to do with that. I'll just be honest. I've talked about it before. We've got this captain's table sitting out there. Um, I don't know what to do with it. They do. They do. I did uh, update the Odyssey uniforms there too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. One last one. Uh, are, with the cap increase, are we going to be increasing the dilithium conversion rate uh, or the amount that you can convert at any one time? And are we going to be adding many more keybinds like uh, for the warp out and beam out ability? What was that ability, second question? First one was... I heard uh, the first one. What was the second one? Uh, are we going to be adding any more keybinds uh, such as the ability to keybind warp in and warp out? Um, I'll, I'll talk to the UI programmer. I, that might be... We can just add that to the options. I don't know. There might be a technical reason that we don't have it. It just... Or it might just not be something we've added yet. So I'll, uh, if people want that, we can we can look into it. Well, is there anything that you guys would like to say to the live listeners, to people that are uh, standing around listening now? Anything you want to add and, and let them know? No, we've said too much. <laughs> I'm super excited for the expansion. We've been dying to bring this up for months. We've been working on this for literally months and not being able to say anything on the right, boards right. and, you know, at our weekly meetings. And make sure you don't say anything about, you know, Delta Rising. And so we've been super excited. And, you know, we announced Garrett, and we've got more announcements to come. We're just all super hyped with the yeah, celebrity Everybody should follow Garrett on Twitter, by the way. He likes to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, let's give him a follow. Yeah, I mean, we've got... So much cool stuff. I, I just can't wait for the blog to roll out and for us to be able to tell you guys things. Yeah, That's, I just wanted to uh, emphasize that too, man. Like, just stay glued to our website because we're going to be rolling out so much information. But just like Steve said, I mean, we've been so excited to talk about it. We obviously wanted to make the exclusive announcement here, um, but we just can't wait to share. We've been working so hard on this stuff, and it's looking so good. Uh, we just want to share that excitement with you guys. That's it. Yes, more than 40 blogs coming your way. Well, I figure. We're just about done here. We have the meeting at the I-Bar, which we're all going to try to have yep. more fireside chat, talk more about uh, Delta Rising. So if you're in Vegas and you're listening, you're going to want to come down to that. Uh, God, what time was that again? 7 o'clock. That's yeah, 7 o'clock at and the we got I-Bar. Prizes. T-shirts, video cards, That's exciting, keyboards. Prizes to give away. Yeah. Also, uh, hugs, free hugs. Also free hugs. Continue to stay tuned to Priority One Podcast at Stoked Radio. We're going to have all of you back on progressively as every dev blog tries to come out. We'd love to have you guys come on to Stoked Radio and join us for live play and testing uh, as soon as we're available and it's uh, released on uh, Tribble. I want to thank you all again for spending another hour with us talking more about Star Trek Online. It's so exciting. I know that there's going to be a ton of buzz in the community now, and, and you'll probably see a ton of threads on the forums and tweets and Facebook messages. It's a really exciting time, so we're looking forward to October. Thank, thank you very much. Thanks for having us.
All right, everybody. This is this is exciting because you know one thing that I always say on the podcast is that you know without our listeners, none of this would be possible. And I've met two Priority One listeners here at the convention. Two uh, very excited, and they're wearing the Priority One T-shirt. Yeah, so exciting. So why don't you guys introduce yourself, please? Go. Uh, my name is Chris Tron. I'm from Vancouver, Washington. Been uh, listening to the podcast for probably about eight months to a year, somewhere in there. Download it as soon as I can on the podcaster. Listen to it at work. Listen to it in the car. Makes those boring times bearable. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be listening with the headphones, and I'll just start cracking up. And the people in the office are like, what's going on over there? And they've kind of figured it out now. But, uh, yeah. Uh, name is Mike Millette. I'm from Chicago suburbs. Been listening, got to be two and a half, three years, wow. something like that. Um, wow, right when the first time. transition was going on. Wow, wow. Good, um, good I got a fairly long commute, too, so Monday... On the way home, it's always download and listen and equal amount of information and humor, and it's great to have a good source. That's I'm awesome. Tied in with the devs. Awesome. I can't tell you guys how uh, humbling it is. You know, it's we do this as a, as a labor of love. You know, none, none of us get paid to do this, and to, to know that each week we have listeners like you listening to us, you know, it, it, we couldn't ask for anything more, really. I mean, just to know that you guys are here supporting us and, and enjoying the convention is just it's just phenomenal, and, and I, we can't thank you enough. Cookie and Jace are walking around, I think, you know, because they're, they're covering the convention, but I know that I, I speak for the entire team when I say thank you. So uh, so talk to us a little bit about the convention experience. When did you land, and, and what have, what's your experience been so far? Uh, it's been great so far. Um, my daughter and I uh, got here late on Thursday, um, so we did a little walk around there, and then um, today my wife was able to join us, so we're getting a little bit more of the experience, and then uh, tomorrow we got some reserved seats, so we got decent seats for the good stuff, and then uh, we got a buggy out, so we're heading and in Colorado uh, Sunday, but having a good time. It's a great place. What are you guys looking forward to most for the rest of the weekend? I think well, my, my daughter wants has got a uh, costume, so she wants to hang out in, uh, for the cosplay stuff tomorrow. And then um, tomorrow's sessions are pretty good. They got uh, Tara Farrell being made back up um, as Dax on you know live, so that's, that's pretty cool. So and then um, we've got the uh, the Stow Devs uh, panel, which we definitely are, are wanting to take part in. Are you part of a fleet? You know, tell us about oh, your sure. in-game, yeah. your um, stuff. Yeah, my uh, my gamer tag or my my name is Amber. Jin Mavar, um, M-A-V-A-R, 12th Fleet, been in the 12th Fleet, again, long time since I uh, was the Alliance out of beta, and then 12th Fleet since the Alliance kind of folded up. Nice, nice, um, nice, so. very cool, very cool. All right, so when, when did you get in? And, and uh, All right, so my partner and I got in on uh, Monday morning, actually. We did this last year, and uh, we are only here for three days, and we had to leave on Sunday, and we missed the whole DS920th anniversary. Oh, man which really sucks, and uh, so we planned for an entire year. We took the time off of work. We dropped in on Monday. We're leaving on Monday. We're here for the duration. Nice. Very cool. And, yeah, Terry Farrell, saw her last year, saw her again. She cracks us up. We love oh, her. Oh, yeah, she's, um, she's a blast. Wonderful. She's a blast. So a, a big highlight is going to be the dev panel. Uh, we were at the I-Bar last year. I've got my questions this year, so I'm just not a blubbering idiot this time. <laughs> Looking forward to that. I am uh, in a fleet. Uh, my at handle is just my last name because, again, I signed into Stowe and panicked and didn't know what to put. So <laughs> T-R-O-N-E, at Trone, that's me. Uh, I was recently, well, I joined the Grim Reapers actually here last year. They're somebody, the Robbie, the fleet founder, found me at the I-Bar, said, hey, here's our fleet. You know, there was a social aspect that at the bar that I hadn't had previously uh, signed into an MMO and and so I joined that kind of talked with those guys figured out team speak is this your first MMO I played Pirates of the Caribbean from Disney for like a winter I'm not really sure if that counts yeah okay maybe maybe a little it, bit I think that's open the to toe in the water toe in the water yeah um, I, I signed in and then I, and I played fake blackjack okay okay and is this your first MMO or are you a big, uh, big gamer no it's been several I um 
I EverQuest. Um, I still have an Ultima Online account. Yes, I understand. I, I outbated that and Lotro and a couple others. So yeah, I'm familiar. And, and you touched on something about the, the fleet aspect, the, the social aspect of it. My current fleet, 12 Freak, is amazing. I uh, had a business a convention I went to in Anaheim a couple years ago, and one of the guys in our fleet does sound for Disney. Oh wow! At at Disneyland. Yeah. So we're chatting one night, and I said, "Yeah, I'm going to be out. You hang out and see." He says. Oh yeah, stop by the park. I'll get you a couple of comps, and he'll, so you know, he takes me back to the fifty million dollar Disney Sound wow, wow, studio wow. that's right behind Main Street America and stuff. But you don't get that stuff in just like ordinary gaming. That's why yeah. the, the online aspect is yeah. amazing. Yep, yep, yep. You know, it, you you mentioned that, and something that I, I always usually harp on is is that I sometimes feel that Stowe can be a, feel a little disconnected with players because. It's such a single-player experience sometimes that it's not like a city of heroes where it, it, you know you, you had to pug and then you started a pug and, and you were friends for life with that team. You know, do you find that at all? What do you, you know? What do you think? What's, what are your thoughts on that? I think you're right. A lot of the, at least a lot of the STFs, you can pug them, but if you go through a lead STF channel or something like that, at least everybody kind of knows the basic concept. They've been around so long; they haven't been changed that much lately that once they did the major change where we got used to it, it's still pretty automatic. So you might even be there with a bunch of people, but it's still like you're right. It's kind of yeah, like yeah. you're almost like yourself. I think if, if we get to another, if we get to level 50 or something and we start to do that and they introduce something that is more randomized, maybe that'll help. Yeah, yeah. And have you dabbled in the crafting system at all? Um, I've dabbled in it. I'm, I'm still still figuring that out. Like I'm I'm like level six right now. On I've got I figured out enough strategy to get each one of my alts focused on a particular one so that I can get them across the board. But I'm still learning that one. Okay, cool. But uh, in in terms of the camaraderie and the, the social aspect, I mean the interesting thing about my partner and I playing. One of the things that I love about playing now is I got her involved about 18 months ago. She was just getting into it about the time that we came last year. She is the epitome of free-to-play. Doesn't pay for a thing, does it all by time. I've got the lifetime membership. And so she's still figuring out what Star Trek is. She's still watching the things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this episode from walking into the living room and seeing it for two seconds. But it's been really enjoyable to see her. It's, it's funny. She's almost doing it backwards. She'll play the game, and, and I'll be along with her, and we're doing the storyline, and then we'll watch an episode. She's like, oh, I saw this in the game. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the yeah. other way around. But no, it's been really exciting to watch her develop and see that. That's exciting. So what's next for you guys? What are you going to do when you get home, when you get back? Con depression, right? Post-con depression. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you get a little bit of letdown. Unfortunately, yeah. we got the, got the slow trick back uh, driving through Colorado, so that'll help a little bit. But I did actually finally get the wireless to work at the hotel last night, so I did actually <laughs> take advantage of crafting weekend, thank goodness. Crafting weekend. Uh, I know. Crafting going on right now. Crafting weekend. Yes. Let's talk to somebody. Where's Al? Where's Al? Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be just kind of, eh, all right, let's wait till them. I have Chicago, so there'll be a Chicago Con coming earlier next year. I'll hit that one, too, something like that. Well, you're, you guys are more than welcome to join us in that Priority One chat channel, uh, not only in-game, but even on our team speak. It's open to everybody. It's, you know, chat.priorityonepodcast.com, and the password is Priority One. So, you know, it's all just Priority One, Priority One, Priority One. But, you know, you know guys, it's it's been really exciting to talk to you. I mean, you know, we are just as excited to get to talk to you guys and meet you guys because we do it for you, you know, we do it for you and, and I, you know, I, the team's here and you know what, guys let's give them a round of applause because, I mean you're our listeners and you're you, surpri- you know, you I'm support us. I'm just excited us, to be here and it's been, you know, really just a, an awesome experience, so so thank you guys very much, thank, thank you. you so very much. Enjoy the con guys, enjoy it, and stay in touch please, stay in touch. 
Uh, captains, it's a, it's an amazing experience. I mean, you know, to, to be able to meet people that you know support us in, in person is just unbelievable. Um, you know, it's a humbling experience. You know, quite honestly, it's, it's fantastic. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, captains, we're at the part of the show where we open healing frequencies to hear from you, our listeners. And we have a very special guest with us for feedback this week. Probably one of the most active people on the forum. Cookie! No, it's you! <laughs> oh, it's me! It's you, Taco Fang! All right, so uh, let's just do a quick reminder of what the community questions were for episode 183. The first question were, Captains, have you used any hangar pets that use mines? Do you think the AI is capable uh, of using them intelligently? Sorry, you were saying something. What? <laughs> you can read right here. If you, oh. do, if you don't listen the to second, them, pretend like you did. The second question was, what has your experience been uh, with the new crafting system and uh, that's currently on Honda? So why don't we take the first piece of feedback. Nick, why don't you go ahead and read it for us? From... Mighty Bob CNC commented on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode. It seems uh, to be that the elite slavers use their minds uh, the moment that it comes off of cooldown without any particular intelligence. As a result of that, I have to try and keep an eye on where the most dense area of mines is and try to place myself on the other side and lure the enemy NPC through the cloud. Do you use mines? No. Not usually. Not usually. Have you tried it with the new AI? No. Okay. How about Jason? Have you tried it? Cookie knows all about mines. No, I don't. Oh. Okay. We all experiment in college. It's okay. So Skiffy's behind the camera right now, and you may, you probably won't be able to hear too. Actually, Skiffy. Actually, yeah, yeah. Great feedback. So Skiffy, have you had the opportunity of playing with the new mines? No. Right, oh my well, God! Thank you, thank you, All Mighty Bob. For thank you, Mighty Bob NC. Uh, some guy oh writes God. via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Hey guys, I've used the carrier pets with mines a lot when I was trying to find the best pet on my Klingon. From what I saw, they used the mines, but the mines weren't noticeable. I saw one pop a mine 12 kilometers away from my target. And that was before the improvement of carrier pets. Santa Skyrat writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com. I was going to raid. Crafting is not so bad. But patch notes went up overnight saying they would change what you can research with the XP. As for the slavers, it's a total ripoff. They spam the mines but are so weak because they are meant to steal contraband, but this has been nerfed so much they don't steal any more than three or four per hour, if that, and they get destroyed all the all the time. It's one thing that kills it for me playing KDF. I use them a lot back in the day. Now they don't do DPS and don't steal stuff. It's one thing I would like you to call the devs on. Please give a voice to us for KDFs. Yeah, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> I concur. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Yep. Your he has no are. idea the what was said. Yes. Tell us about the crafting scene, your perspective of the crafting scene. Do you even play the you game? I'm just curious. <laughs> this coming suck. from Elijah, folks. This coming you, from Elijah. You can use the things, the small stuff, and you make bigger things, and then you can use those things. You make things to make us go. That's right. Have you played? No, seriously, have you played much of it? I really haven't played with it. No? No. Uh, we, we, we do like play tests at work all the time, but that's usually mission stuff. Um, the crafting stuff has all been tested on the system side more than 
than across the team, I think. And I personally am not a crafter, so. Okay. I'm not much of a crafter. Either. I'm not touching I'm you. sorry, I failed you all. Since y'all posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, mines from Elite Slavers are just spat out as soon as the cooldown is done with no real intelligent placement. With this, I'm not really too hopeful about the Aquatics Pet Mine placement either. Elite Slavers are also very weak compared to most other Elite Pets when it comes to survivability. Obviously, this was meant to balance the ability of Slavers to steal. Sadly, this mechanic is very rarely as effective as it's made to sound. With so many commodities that the Slavers can steal along with direct EC, (laughs) the addition of contraband on advanced slavers and gamma quadrant commodities on the elite variants it's simply not worth having such weak combat pets when the rating check sum of getting commodities is once every 15 seconds so now that we've talked about the mines and we already jumped into uh, crafting a little bit but um, let's focus on our next community question what has your experience been with the crafting system as it currently is on holodeck yuga writes on the star trek online forum post for this episode yay you guys get to go to vegas imagine how we feel thank you for your excitement my view of the new crafting system has been mostly favorable with my big complaint being the one thing i was concerned about the uh, the ability to obtain very rare crafting materials I understand that they're supposed to be very rare. After running countless elite queues, the amount of times I've actually received very rare materials have been negligible. While I'm glad I can also run a duty assignment for a chance at them, if I'm going to be put down to lithium, there should be a guarantee of at least one very rare item. Uh, So what they're saying is if if you trigger the dilithium for it to finish sooner, that that should give you a buff? Is that what I understand? No, no. They're talking about the, uh, the DOF mission you can run that can give crafting materials and or a um, crafting specialist DOF. And that one does cost the lithium, just like the uh, the one recruitment mission does. It's like a thousand lithium. But um, I don't think that that cost is, in, impl- is meant to imply that you're getting a very rare material back. It's that you have a chance not only of very rare materials, but also of higher quality DOFs as well, um, if we're talking about the same mission here. Um, I do also know, as it uh, came up with some other folks, though I didn't see it in uh, feedback, that the what um, what very rare materials drop from what queues has been evaluated because there was a bug with it that some folks were not able to get. Uh, it was Krylon gas, right, Skippy? Uh, no. Uh, Is it Krylon of paint? There, there's one. I saw they're fixing. I saw in the forums that they're the devs are aware of it and are yeah. trying to fix that. Yeah. Yes, we are aware of it and we are working to fix it. See that? Hopefully Again. that actually got said someplace. That I'm not actually. No, it definitely it. was. I believe. I believe as of the time of this recording, it's already been in the patch notes. Very cool. You can. Uh, Elijah, so, you back to me. Raptor six three five four nine writes on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Crafting is okay. With the nurse to the research project, though, it's turning into more of a job than a game. Honestly, I am more impressed by what they claim they want to do in the future. Upgrades upgrading sets, actually choosing our modifiers, than what's actually on Holodeck. I mean, that, I mean, that, it, what hit on Holodeck is, you know, just, I'm sure, the, 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 just the surface of what the crafting system can possibly be. Um, it's the core. Right. You know, it, and we're going to see plenty more development. Um, I, uh, tell me, explain to me why the limit of one project per school 
at one time is such a big deal? Well, because if someone wanted to focus exclusively on one school, they could queue multiple of the 20-hour research project. And thus, as long as they kept feeding it, they could increase that one project at a much faster rate. Right, up to five times faster. But um, see, the way I view the new crafting system is almost more analogous to a personal version of the fleet system. It's meant to be a long-term goal. It's just working out exactly where long-term is comfortable for the, the um, cost versus rewards. That's where people are, are expressing different opinions about it. Okay. Um, I think that right now, if you do 20-hour uh, missions, it comes out to something like um, 90 days to reach uh, 15th with no dilithium spent. And you know, if you think about raising a track, one track of your star base, that amount, that's pretty on par, I would say. Okay. We're talking about maxing things out in uh, basically a year, and we're talking about adding more, adding more schools down the line, which is going to be you know, more to work what, on. What is the average to be a max crafter in another MMO, how long does it take? What, what it, it varies a lot. I mean, sometimes it's dependent on materials. You can only gather at high level and there's no other way. Some of them totally divorce crafting from a level system. I don't know if there really is a, a, a standard way. I mean, a lot of games you can just power level it, almost like Skyrim. I know it's not an MMO, but back when I played Dark Age of Camelot, which obviously was a couple MMO generations ago, you could have a very low level character that could be a max level crafter. But that's a design difference. Right, right, you know? right, right. STO, it's not. It's by design not ex exceptionally challenging to reach match, max level. Okay. Tobias says 245 days from 15 to 20, assuming no crits. Mm -hmm. Tobias, 245 yeah. days to go from level 15 to 20 in the crafting school. Or uh, three hours. Or three hours if you spend know. the dollar. You can buy it from the We won't talk about that. This is from Tobias, uh, commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com. My experience with the crafting system uh, up until the 7.22.14 patch was good. Not happy that all the features included that Al discussed in his interview with you guys. Cryptics. Recent changes to the crafting research projects now being limited to one project per school uh, per day is effective has effectively killed any desire to continue crafting, period. I think that uh, while you cannot level a single school five times as fast anymore, this is okay because you can still level five schools at a time. You're still gonna make the same progress in the same amount of time if you average it out over all of the schools. Right, in the long run, it shouldn't make a significant difference. Yeah. It's just, if we're trying to become, okay, I wanna be the beam guy, that's a little harder now. That's going to take you five times longer to get one school there, but if, if you're treating it more like a reputation system, which is what I think people need to do, or if you treat it more like a fleet system, as, as you indicated earlier, right. I think that's, that's what people need to do and realize that this is the long-term project. You can still get there by, you can still get there faster by actually crafting stuff. Correct. I was going to say that as well. Because those Instead research projects research give project. you less XP per time period, per hour, than an actual crafting project does by, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, isn't it like a 20 to 30% cut? That sounds about right. Something like that. Uh, I don't have the percentages in front of me because I'm a little limited on my uh, <laughs> mobile device here, but... But yeah, no, I think I think it's I think it's okay if people just kind of take a deep breath and realize that they're going to get there. It's you're just you're going to get true. The five things there at the same time. Right? And also, if you if you're regularly queuing up, you can queue up numerous other projects that are not the research project. Uh, just saying that 
while you can't run the five times the crafting research project, you can run four other projects and continue refreshing them. You just can't, it's not fire and forget anymore. We're gonna pass the mic over to Morbid. Introduce yourself, please. Hi, this is Morblade. Morblade. People know me from, from Richard Army or other things. To be a gamer raider, talk about, I, I, I love MMOs, I'm a big MMO gamer. I play mostly every MMO oh, wow. there is, I think. And a lot of them I choose for crafting. So let me ask you this. Sure. One of the biggest issues right now that, uh, that we're seeing right now in our feedback is that people are upset that the research uh, projects are now limited to one per school per, uh, per project. Hey, welcome to MMOs. So, okay, so, you know, it, I was asking Jace earlier, you know, uh, right now, it could take the better part of a year to progress through the crafting system in Star Trek Online. Right. Is that has that been your experience in most That's of the most? That's what I like. Yeah. Um, back when I played Star Wars Galaxies, uh, you know, I had to have seven accounts because I wanted to, to to do different types of crafting. You couldn't, you know, you could pick out uh, two things together or whatever, but you couldn't be all the different crafting and be good at it and sell it and have a decent economy. Well, to me, crafting makes a, makes a game. That's one of my favorite things. One of the other reasons I play another space game right now is because of the crafting. Um, because they've, they've done the same thing. You can go in and become an armorsmith, but then you choose directions of armorsmithing. Like you can choose a, a specific type of armor you want to use. So you can't learn everything. That was one of the things that bothered me a little bit about Star Trek Online was because you can learn all the crafting. I think if you want to be a crafter and be good at your crafting, then you, you pick a specific type. You know, and that might be a good point. Maybe that is, that's an issue with the crafting system where you, ha you see it all there, right? It's all there for you to start and, and train. It, it's not clear if the intention is to be this, that it's not clear that a player shouldn't think that they could progress through all the schools evenly at right. the same time. And like Morblade said, really a player should focus on one school and become the master and be of good that craft. At it and make money at it. Right, right, right. And and I think maybe that's the direction or the intent that might have been missed here. I think players are looking at this a little bit too much like the reputation system where, okay, I can kind of do all the reputation systems at once, whereas with crafting, you want to be the master of your craft. Mm -hmm. So that might be the case. Well, well, MMOs, sorry, MMOs seem to have gotten uh, too easy on specific things. Crafting was one of them. You know, you go in to play EverQuest 2 or one of those. Crafting... You, it's tough, and you can't just burn it out in 30 minutes right, right, and learn. Right, right. It took me months and months and months in EverQuest 2 to get my crafting skills to where I could sell stuff and make a purchase, you know, make decent money from it. So that's just my thoughts. No, I, I agree. Thank you, Morbley. Sure. Uh, how can people uh, find you and, uh, and EpicGamerRadio.com. I'm what, on what uh, Friday nights, Sunday nights, and Tuesday nights. Awesome. And uh, your Twitter handle? <laughs> At Morbley Klingon. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Morgan. We'll see you throughout the week. Bravo. Throughout the weekend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Michael Skarn writes, I always enjoy your podcast. You guys do an excellent job and are one of the most professional-sounding podcasts out there. I had the opportunity while I was packing up to move to be able to listen to the live broadcast. I found it very interesting to hear the show live as compared to how I usually listen to the remastered version. Congrats on making it to Vegas! Have fun for those of us who are not able to attend. Oh, we are. Thank you. Michael, thank you so very much for writing into us. I mean, this has been a fantastic experience uh, on all of us, and it's just day one, and we have just we have three more days left of this. Uh, so, captains, you know, thank you so very much. I'm so glad that you had the opportunity of listening to us live and then be able to compare it. It is absolutely a whole different experience yeah, when you're listening to us live uh, on the show. And then when you're listening to us live in person for the first time that we've all, all of us have been together Double here. extra secret live. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Great stuff in this. Rogue commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com. But I agree, crafting from uh, 15 to 20 takes the piss. Lennon will translate that for you American viewers in post. And I think many players won't bother with it. I don't think I will because of the cost time in Dilithium. I can see that late, this latest update being ignored like the work loadouts. You know, I think now, you know, especially after having the discussion that we've had, it's, it's a matter of just understanding that you're not supposed to be able to do all of the tiers at the same time. Right? It, like, that is, that is one thing about MMOs that, in my experience, has always been the case. You become the master of one craft. You don't have the ability to, to play, to have a, a, a tactical build, a scrapper that you know, can also be a tanker and a healer all at the same time. But Star Trek Online offers us the ability to kind of meld that all, and I think we've grown so used to it that here's a system where... You know, now you're like, oh, I can't do it all at the same time, or it's going to take me forever. Uh, that has kind of just made everybody crazy. So um, maybe that's maybe that's what it is. It just it, it, it requires players to kind of shift gears a little bit into a more traditional MMO sense, which I've been harking on for a long time. You know, there are some traditional MMO things that I've always wanted to see introduced back in the game, and here's the one and. Now everybody's like, whoa, 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 I want to do it all at the same time. What but is your experience? Have you, how, how far along in crafting I did the first couple things, and I am not interested in doing any more. Why? The amount of time and stuff that it takes to do it, I don't, I don't want to do it. I just don't want to. And plus the fact that you can buy it on the exchange. I'd rather go and make EC instead of go and make... Space 1%, folks. That's okay. The crafters don't have any reason to craft if they don't have consumers to buy it. Yeah, so I'm on the other side. I'm the buyer. That's okay. Not the crafter. May the buyer beware. Dan Koheiser commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com says, uh, enjoyed the interview with Cryptic Cat. Uh, interesting to hear him talk about Star Trek Online instead of reading his tweets. <laughs> that is you, you get to work with him. I so, do. Uh, are you a fan of the new uniform? Yes. Oh, he. I. I was kind of the impetus for him to start that, as you guys heard. I mean, like, yeah. I. I wanted it to. I thought that we. It was kind of stupid that we didn't have a standard uniform. Even if all players can swap out their uniform, we should still have a standard. And Thomas kind of took that and ran with it. So um, I'm super happy that we have something standard and something standard that I think is a much better 
quality bar than our older original uniforms were. I think the, the Odyssey feels more Trek. So you're basically looking to create di uh, distinct, recognizable aesthetics for different areas of the game, like different organizations, different worlds. So obviously, you know that seems like it would be a boon to you. Sure. The I mean, costumes are are all. Uh, either made by character artists or used by designers when they place NPCs and stuff. So I don't really have a, a, a lot of direct interaction with costumes so much, but they are all tied together. I mean, when you go to a planet, like that planet should look cohesive or, exactly. or that station should or whatever. And so it is important that we tie those together. And so Thomas, I mean, you guys have seen the whole uh, Odyssey uniform guide that he sent to you guys, but there's also whole uniform guide that has gone around cryptic in terms of you know here's the new standard if you're making new missions make sure that you're you know whatever new npc you're pulling out is using the odyssey uniform and not one of the older you know uniforms or uh you know here's what they should be using if they're in different places and things like that so um yeah it should be it should be good overall very cool i'm a fan of it i think it's very immersive all right, Captains, well, each week our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, your opinions, your suggestions for the show. So please keep them coming. You can reach out to us on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One. Or, of course, you can shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, we want to remind you that this week's community question of all things, what are your thoughts about the official announcement from Cryptic Studios from uh, Saturday's panel? What, tell us your thoughts. Let us know in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO184 or on the official forum post on the Star Trek Online forums. Well, that wraps up episode 184 of Priority One Podcast, recorded live from Las Vegas at the 2014 Star Trek Las Vegas Convention via Trek Radio. Don't forget to subscribe by pointing your podcast catcher at feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of our show and submit your responses for our community question in the comments section of our site or on the Stove Forums post for this episode where Taco will troll. And remember, the community question this week is share with us your thoughts about the official announcements from Cryptic Studios uh, from their Saturday panel here at Star Trek Las Vegas. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. <laughs> and by popular demand, you can even join the Priority One Podcast chat in-game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. It's a pretty good show. You should check it out. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. A very special thanks to all of our guests throughout the weekend. Uh, this has been a fantastic experience. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Skiffy, who's behind the camera right now. Ooh. Our audio assistant, Ben Churchill, who's back at home piecing all of this together, along with QA support staffer, Midnight Shadow 7. 
Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. Most importantly, Captains, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, we would not be sitting here today. None of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. That is the major difference between what you're getting right now. So when you imagine this in the future, in the chat roll on Thursday nights, you picture just what you see here, only with thousands of miles, plus alcohol. Plus alcohol, absolutely. Sorry about my sweaty hands that probably got on that. Oh no, that's amazing. So we've got, for those of you at home, we've got this, and then we've got, I have to turn around, this is for, this is for home. Oh yeah. Show them the rear view. Beautiful. That's that's the stuff. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got you. Thank you. The wiggle. The wiggle makes it. <laughs> you got it. Everybody got it. Okay. Uh, Is this unmuted? He'll unmute it. Um, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just testing it. No, that's not a good plan. <laughs> I can't work like this! Ah. It's okay. It's okay, Blue. <laughs> I, I don't know why I clapped, so I probably ruined the audio. Like, can you read that one more time? I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah less hand. Yeah, less, less. And it picks up right there. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I'm really thirsty. I bet you're getting a lot your podcasting of it. you know it. Clap your hands. I know, I do. I do want to be a little bit Hercules. Well, Captains, let's check out some... <laughs> sorry. Uh, if you buy me enough drinks, Elliot, Elio, uh, that might happen, so... <laughs> Nobody knows who I am! Sorry, sorry! <laughs> he doesn't, no, no. <laughs> Elijah, right? What are your impressions so far, just in today? Oh, there's Brett Spiner! I was just gonna stand up and see if he sees me. Where? He's right there. Oh, yeah, okay, he's walking away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brett! Don't scream his name. Oh, I'm God. sorry! I'm sorry, everyone. I'm so sorry. I think he's looking for us. He's got a card Fred! in his hand. 
it's not us. It's not us. Hey, Fred! They're live on air right now. <laughs> 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 <He> said, <"Nope." laughs> <laughs> we got a drive by by Brent Spiner, folks. It's a little known fact: the uh, the Gene and Gene Roddenberry actually stands for genealogy. Really? That may be false. Oh That's probably false. <laughs> So we will have, uh, we're going to have playman. Disruptor Beam coming over in just a few moments. Um, um, I don't know. I really have to pee. All right, go. Okay. <laughs> what, Again, do I yeah. keep this on me while I'm doing that? Or this give me like, uh... No, take it off. <laughs> no, I think I, well... Take it off, really? In case it unsyncs. Take the... Does any... Oh, it's just, nah, just, just turn the pack off. We don't want to hear it. Hi, Hi I'm Elijah. <laughs> say it again, say it again. I'm Elijah. <laughs> I'm here to host things where we talk about stuff. Yay. So why don't we take the first piece of feedback. Uh, Nick, why don't you go ahead and read it for us. Uh, uh, have you? Oh, no. That, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, from Bitey Bob C&C. But Cookie has candy. Of any type is once ever... Once every, I think is what I'm supposed to say. Sun Seal, grammar check. I know you're listening, right? <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the chat, right? <laughs> this is going to be such a rough show. I mean, I'm just <laughs> it's not gonna trying to read no, this, no, but it's no, like, no, oh I my gosh, it it's terrible. Rough. I need to read the whole thing. We have an awesome editing team. It's we what? do have an awesome oh, editing team. This is from Tobias, uh, commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com. My experience with the crafting system uh, up until the 7.22.14 patch was good. Not happy. Huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. I'm sorry. I was actually doing well. And now, okay. Cookie. What? Cookie. Cookie. What? You're supposed to read these. I did Cookie. Period, period, period. I don't want to respond. All right, so Skippy would like to respond. Our audio engineer, Skippy, would like to respond. Perk, Skippy, you can respond to that. <laughs> all right, well, this is, as you all know, this is Skippy. Which, uh... Dominic Keating is making up. Is, is, is uh... It's, 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 disrupting here. <laughs> right, Dominic Keating. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to tell him to shut up in a second. <laughs> I'll just keep imagine, waiting. Imagine. All right, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's Jeff. hilarious. Everybody's all starstruck now. Oh my god, it's Dominic Keating. Uh, nobody's paying attention to what Jason's saying. That's alright. I also know nothing about crafting. <laughs> On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Michael Skarn writes, I always enjoy your podcast. You guys do an excellent job and are one of the most professional sounding podcasts out there. After editing, of course. Yeah, well, Smiley face. Today's not going to be that way, but okay. <laughs> I had the opportunity. Don't sell yourself short. Congrats. Ooh, I like that, the remastered. Yeah, remastered. Yeah, we're remastered oh, every Monday Skippy, morning. he is lauding you and you aren't paying attention. I know, Skippy, somebody's praising you and you're not paying attention. What? Our, the feedback, where somebody's praising you and you're not paying attention. All right, keep going. <laughs> Saying how much Thank better you. it is when it's just... Saying how much our... How, how excellent. And it's not just... I, I mean, I, Skippy, I love you. But we also have Ben uh, mm -hmm. in Australia that does it. And, and we've he's got in the chat. And I, I believe oh, Ben's in the chat. Ben C. And he has to painstakingly translate oh, the I'm whole so podcast sorry. into Australian, and edit it, and, and then, then translate it back. It back. I know. The, the processing power for that is astounding. Mm -hmm. You will 
looked like you wanted to, like you took a breath as though you wanted to say something. I, no? Sorry. Me? And no, I was talking about oh, like, Cookie? Did you want to say something? Cookie, okay. have you done crafting? Does, I, does Nick need to apologize for breathing now? <laughs> no, because Nick apologize for how dare you. I might have to apologize for being on the podcast at the moment to my, to my coworkers. <laughs> I wish I knew. What's the matter? I, what I can't remember what I was going to say. Even, but not much has changed, though. I mean, <laughs> other than the, the yeah? yeah? I mean, yeah. They're listeners. I'm so excited. <laughs>